This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The winter getaway sale is on. Escape to the mountains this winter with great lodging rates at Vail, Breck, Heavenly, and more world-class resorts. From making s'mores by the fire to relaxing in the hot tub to skiing and riding down the slopes, there's something for everyone. Plus, Epic Pass holders save an additional 20% on lodging with Epic Mountain Rewards. Hurry. Sale ends September 6th. Book today at snow.com. Minimum stay and other restrictions apply. See offer details at snow.com. This podcast is proudly in association with Pitch Sport Football, the app that allows you to interact with other West Ham fans, pick your starting eleven, and participate in fan time videos. This app is absolutely free, so like I've done, like Hex has done, and like thousands of other West Ham fans have done, get this downloaded if you haven't already. That's Pitch Sport Football. You're listening to the West Ham Way podcast with Dave and X. Oi, oi! Hello and welcome to the West Ham Way podcast with myself Dave Walker and Serial YTK blogger XWHU employee. It's two games and two defeats in the Premier League for West Ham after losing to Arsenal on Saturday night. A closer game than most expected so can we look at that performance as a positive? Last night we saw an excellent result against Hull to see us through to the last 16 of the Carabao Cup. And after four goals in two games surely Sebastian Haller has earned the right to start against Wolves. Has the time come to stop ignoring Yarmolenko? And contrary to recent opinion, is there still a future for Anderson and Lanzini after showing glimpses of their former selves? We'll also be talking about David Sullivan's interview on TalkSport today and just how much of a difference our academy players could and should make to this squad moving forward. X will be giving us exclusive news before we end the show with questions from our collective followers on social media. Let's start with the Arsenal game. I don't think there was much expectation on us to get a result, but we very nearly did. 
Yeah, I thought we played really well. Um, it was a shame, like you said, that we didn't get anything from it. Uh, we deserved something from it. Certainly didn't deserve to lose the game. Um, if we'd taken a couple of the chances, you know, hitting the bar, there's a few others in the area which we should have really done probably a bit better with. Um, then we should have we should have got something out of it. So yeah, to not get anything was disappointing, to say the least. Mm, we battled hard, showed good team spirit, the mindset of the players was a pleasant surprise and uh, I think we got more than we hoped for from a performance perspective. I can't argue with it too much but like you say we wasn't clinical enough. We did miss our chances and ultimately we paid the price and the frustrating thing about that game because there were positives but without question the two things that stick in my mind was switching off towards the end which ultimately lost us the game. How many times have we done that? How many times has that cost us points in the game? Um... And of course, David Moyes, you know, there's lots been said about his in-game management. We, we focus on it so much on this podcast. But once again, why are you bringing on two of your marquee signings to try and change a game in the 88th and 89th minute? Yeah, I know. And, uh, and the thing is, they'd, uh, they'd only done that after he'd gotten 2-1 down, really. It wasn't like he did it to uh, try and win the game, was it? It was when we were losing and he had nothing else to lose, I guess. Uh, I think... I think you could argue that, um, you know, he was happy with a draw and maybe he wanted to keep the same players on that had got to that point. But obviously, um, they he didn't go for the for the win, which is disappointing. Because the thing is, when you play Arsenal and particularly with this Arsenal team, you know they're great going forward. You know, you know they've got Boy Miang, they've got Lacazette, they've got uh, the Pepe, they've got loads of talent going forward. Mm. But you know defensively they're suspect. And you know that the keeper's not that great. I mean, he's all right, but he's not that great. Certainly defensive-wise, they're not. that's their weakest position. So for me, if you're going to go and play there, you want to keep it steady for the first half. And then in the second half, knowing what you know about the defence, go and attack. So, yes, you should have probably brought on those players or attacking players and tried to go for the win because ultimately we lost anyway so Mm. we wouldn't have had anything to lose with hindsight I know but yeah I think you always when you play Arsenal if I was the manager the two things you do you rough them up a bit put Mm. a few latest challenges in that you can get away with you know Getting a few treading on the toes here and there. <laughs> let like, them know you're there. Yeah, yeah, let them know you're there. A bit old school, <laughs> but uh, do that and attack. Yeah, so that's the two things. Yeah, and we probably didn't either. And and okay, we were getting a, we were playing well. Also, you can't criticise too much. But I do think sometimes you can, you could, we could have, we could have got a result there. Last year we played well at Arsenal and dominated the game, and probably should have got something out of it and mm. didn't. Mm. So what have we learned from last year? Absolutely nothing. Yeah, I agree. So. And they are vulnerable to a counter-attack. Yeah. And um, we looked dangerous every time we was on the counter-attack. Actually, yeah. and our work rate was fantastic, and that side of things was great. But whilst I take your point about he was probably comfortable with the point which is why I didn't bring him on sooner or didn't feel like he needed to attack anymore because he'd have taken the draw if that's the case why not bring on a defensive minded player in the 80th minute and stick him in defence or in the centre of the park yeah. and beef up your, your back four Maybe or central three didn't want to disrupt the fact that they'd got to the drawing point with who they had out there. I don't, I don't know. It's very hard to get into his psychology. You know, we're speculating what his um, 
in game management is, but certainly, you know, you ask most West Ham fans, the, the probably the biggest criticism they would give him at the moment is his substitutions. Yeah. And, and that was another example of it. It was, yeah. It all comes down to his in-game management. I just don't think he has any. We've said time after time after time that there's a real question mark over him in that respect. Mm. And it's difficult because it was quite a positive performance yeah. against Arsenal. But again, how positive can you be on the back of a defeat? Because if we then go to, against Wolves and we're a shower of shit and we play like we did against Newcastle, it counts for nothing, does it? No. And at the end of the day, I'd rather us play crap and scrape a draw yeah. or get a, a lucky win than play well and lose because yeah. ultimately you, you, one of them's going to relegate you and the other's not and unfortunately that is what it is it's a results based business and yes you can build on that Arsenal game and say we get we can take confidence from it because we played well and then we've got a battered hole I know it's a completely different team but mm. still on the back of those two things you can take positives but like you say if you go and play Wolves and then you play crap again it's like what's, what's the point almost yeah, totally Mazuaka in for Noble yeah um, you know, I've been looking for Maz to get a chance for quite a while now, and he got that chance. I thought he'd done all right. He did, mate. I actually thought he was our best player. I would say he was man of the match. Yeah. It's funny. I, I showed you the text, and uh, I know he listens to the show. I'm not sure if I should name drop or not, but uh, I showed you the text, and he uh, he did say, uh, quite a very a famous West Ham fan, should we say. It's, a, uh, it's, it's nice to know that he listens to the show. He's actually yeah. a really, really nice fella as well. Um, be good to get him on the podcast soon. He texts me and said Dave was Dave was listened to you know Mazaraku's in yeah. well, he was just listening to him and it did seem in a way obviously that he had um, and I think you were proven right in what you uh, have previously said because I thought he was the best player yeah. for if us. you're going to use him use him going forward yeah. it's so obvious he was wing back wasn't he so that and that's the position you always say he should it's, be exactly uh, that's, what, mm. that's where I would put him but yeah. In a win-back role, I think your defensive duties are lightened a little bit. Yeah. I think you can focus on going forward just as much as defending, at the very least. Yeah. And I think in a wing-back role, I don't know, you look at his pace and you look at his skill, and I just think he can be a threat. And in an age where, for some reason, we seem to be struggling with wingers, even though we have enough of them, yeah. I just well, think Sullivan he's a good shout. said we've had millions of them. Oh, absolutely, but, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he overestimated <laughs> yeah, it a little exactly. bit. I don't know who the eight wingers are, but no. we certainly seem to have enough. But yeah. unfortunately, most of them are underperforming, and we'll get to David Sullivan in a minute. Well, I think I think we have... See, it's difficult, because I, I made this point on Twitter at the time. Now, when you play away from home, you tend to... I know I'm just going to contradict myself, because I said you should go and attack Arsenal, but generally, you tend to play more defensively don't you mm. away from home set up hit them on the counter generally and then at home you set up more to attack and try and be the dominant team um, unless you're playing on some of the top clubs um, so now it's interesting because really do you think we should still go with exactly the same formation as we did against Arsenal at home against Wolves because that's quite a defensive formation isn't it I think you should Play players in positions that make sense to those players. So, for example, if you're going to play Mazuaku, play him as a left wing back at least, or on the wing. Yeah. Don't play him as a left back. Yeah. In terms of what else would I change, I'd definitely put two up front. I said that on last week's show. I'd like to see Hilaire and Antonio up there together. Yeah. I don't know why we seem to be in a position where we're debating who should start out the two of them. It, it should be both of them. Because if you look at 
Hilaire, who again we'll come on to in a second, has scored four goals in two games now. Surely he has to start yeah. in the next game. Yeah. But then Antonio scored in his last game. Yeah. So why is it always who is it going to be? Why can't it just be both of them? Yeah. I actually think now is the time to play both of them against Wolves mm. because you could argue both, like you had just have done, both are in form. I yep. mean, and the way I would do it, I actually think I would keep the five now, which I know I've said isn't a home formation, but I think I would. And, I, and partic- uh, but the only problem you've got with that is that Diop is probably going to be ruled out. Well, I think he is ruled out because of the whole COVID situation. So then you're going to be playing what, Balbuena, Ogbonna and what, Elise. He played well, on, yeah. I thought. So yeah. maybe him. And Because I, I, the one player I think hasn't performed this season or in lockdown really and I do feel sorry for him and we've said it a number of times on this show because he's out of position we both believe I think Fornells has not played well for ages Um, and so you could arguably take him out of the side have a midfield three of and you could even argue to take Bowen out because I don't know if Bowen's up to his usual standards so you could have a midfield three of Rice Suchek and Noble say if he's available and then have Antonio and Alaire up front with Fredericks and Mazuaka as the as the wing backs. Yeah. It's funny because I think last week we, we chose what our team and formation would be. Mm. And uh and that was mine. It was uh five three two. And I think, it, it, again, it's a formation that makes sense. It does kind of highlight a bit of weakness in terms of the squad defensively. You could argue to drop deck back at centre-half. Yeah, and and that, maybe yeah. a fit, I can't believe I'm saying this, a fit Jack Wilshere can go into the centre of the park. I mean, I, Christ almighty, we saw something last night that was as rare as rocking all shit. Jack Wilshere playing for 90 minutes for West Ham. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just, uh, do you know what? Just on Jack Wilshere, because I want to ask you about this. He's definitely going to be let go by the club, isn't he? The club have desperately tried to move him on, yeah, desperately tried because to move him on. Because if you look at last night, and I, and I don't want to kind of jump from game to game here, but if you look at last night, he was played over other players that could have played in that position. Yeah. If we're letting him go, why are we playing him? And if he's fit enough to play 90 minutes more so now than he has done at West Ham. Why are we letting him go at all? Well, it's funny you should say that, actually, because if you remember last week, I said to you, the players have been saying how good Mazuaku has been in training and that he should feature more, and then he did against um, Arsenal this week. You know, from from the similar people, I've heard that Wilshire's been doing really well in training. Um, and so I think that's how he managed to. Obviously, Cullen was due to start until the tests came in negatively. Yeah. Um, but Wilshire then was brought in. And because I think he is playing well in training. And I think, as we've always said, you know, most West Ham fans have said, technically, he's probably one of our best players technically wise mm. you know and you look at how good he was for Arsenal and England when he was younger but I think injuries have just massively hampered him but I agree with you look if, if no one's going to take him you know it was linked with Italian teams last week and you know that we would even pay subsidize half his wages for to get him off the books if you're going to do that maybe you do keep him and try one last chance to see if you can get him to perform because at the moment 
you know, it will come in my section, but David Sullivan's pretty much spoiled my section for this week by uh, <laughs> doing his interview and saying pretty much most of the things I was going to say. Um, but he's admitted that we're struggling to sign any players. Mm. So if, if we're not signing any players, then there's no benefit to just get rid of Wilshire with no one else coming in. No, and so, reduce the squad even more. Yeah, exactly. And he's homegrown, so that helps if you're looking for... Yeah, well, not the positives. I mean, obviously, you pay a hundred grand a week, so you don't get a bit more more than that. But yeah, still, yeah. finishing off on Arsenal. Yeah, how the fucking hell have we not got a penalty there? Oh, mate, the whole I just can't stand VAR. Like, if you no, remember no. when we did what our, it's done to the game, it's just heartbreaking. When we did our post oh, end of season awards and stuff, and I think we were talking about the most frustrating or whatever the award was, biggest disappointment, most frustrating thing. I can't remember what you went for. Do you remember? Because I, I went for VAR and you went for the bottom option, and I can't. It might have been uh, Pellegrini, maybe. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, but I think I'm, I misread the question at the time. I think I think it might have been the most amount of points dropped from winning positions. Uh, maybe it was for. that then. But I went for VAR. It's the most disappointing thing in the season, and, mm. and I still maintain that this system, when it was first introduced, and I, I knew it was coming to the Premier League and so on. I thought this was going to massively benefit West Ham because for years and years and years and years, I've thought that we've been screwed out of decisions and the big clubs like Liverpool, Manchester United and so on always get the rub of the green particularly if they're at home so I thought at last we've got a computerised system that eliminates that bias from refs and maybe that influence of the crowd because that isn't going to influence technology mm. so I thought this is going to give us a, a new playing field to actually even it up a bit yes you still expect Manchester United Man City Liverpool whatever to be the best teams but it would even it up a bit more but actually if anything it's worse now because every time I watch it I think that there's inconsistencies you know mm. that handball right there was a game that day, I think it was that day or the day before, when there was an almost identical handball and it was, and it was just Lindelof. Given. Yes, yeah, 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 and it was given. Yeah, whereas uh, so it must have been that day. I think it was Crystal Palace Man United, wasn't it? Which was on just before our game. So obviously the ref at our game probably hasn't seen that. But still, how can a system? The reason it's inconsistent is because it's still using human judgment yeah, exactly to read right. it. The machine does its job. It's yeah. not actually the technology the VAR that's the problem the problem is still having a human being using the yeah, technology who can make mistakes who can make mistakes if he doesn't he sh- see what he should be but seeing he shouldn't be making mistakes no. because you've basically you're giving him a re- like you can almost put the rules in front of him of what the game is and tell him right you've got five minutes to find the right page in the fucking rule book yeah. and decide what the decision is some of these VAR decisions take fucking ages anyway yeah. so he's got that time to get the right decision and yet he can't they can't do but, it but why is that though because i'm not being funny if i sat my daughter down my 10 year old daughter and i said right when you watch this game if at any time you see a ball hit hand in that penalty box you tell me and you mm. tell me that's a penalty yeah. she'd be able to do it because the new ruling with handballs is that it doesn't have to be intentional yeah, but if it hits the hand to do a, it's a penalty it's also to do with having a slit on the sleeve or something whatever that means like, <laughs> yeah but it's, uh, see this is where they overcomplicate know, it exactly it literally should be a handball should be if you like, I, I liked the fact you could have intentional or not but I do agree that gives there that element of doubt so if you want to mm. just put it as a fact the fact is if it hits you on 
the arm or your hand at any point from your arm, which is at your shoulder blade there, downwards, then that is a handball. And the thing is, though... Yes, you could say that's unfair to a player that has the ball blasted at him and he can't get out of the way of it, but it could be it, it, it still could be a tactic of the of the attacking team to try and do that, you yeah. know. But at least you know where you stand because it's either a handball or it's not a handball. Yeah. This element of oh, it's above the sleeve, oh, it's intentional, oh, it's not intentional, oh, the hands by his body, oh, it's not by his body, is what causes all the problems because it still gives you that inter- that that not factualness to the decision. That it's a judgment call, yeah, and, exactly. and and these and these things are just ridiculous. That's the fact that we are in 2020 now um, and we still can't get this right. You yeah. know, it, apart from the Sheffield United goal that should have stand, they've got the goal technology, goal line technology right, apart from that obvious one bloody example, which ultimately you could argue relegated Bournemouth because mm. Aston Villa stayed up by a point, I think, didn't they? Or two yeah. points or something. Um, that's because someone forgot to turn a bloody machine well, I think on, so, yeah. it? Or, or there was Again, some... human error. Or stupid. some... Fa- or I also so heard it was because the angle of the goalposts and the cameras and the body of the goalkeeper and the ball meant that there was a black spot in the cameras or something so oh, they couldn't actually on. see it. I know, but whatever. Well, why is was... it Sky Sports had direct access to the best camera I know, angle? Exactly. Surely they could work in unison as a contingency plan if that happens. 100%. The whole thing is just ridiculous that we cannot get this right. Like, you know, even, you could even have four refs sat around a TV being the VAR ref and you would hope between the bloody four of them yeah. they'd, they'd be able to come to a consensus and get the right decision you might get one rogue guy that says it's a penalty when it's not but the, you'd think that at least the other three would get it right but there's only one person I, yeah. I believe or even better it, still three of them and they go with the majority vote yeah something like that but it's just it's just stupid it really really is stupid and I just find it so frustrating I find it so frustrating that you can't cheer a goal because you've got to wait for VAR but also that you don't even know if VAR is going to get it right or not anyway so what's the bloody point we might as well go back to what it was before where you didn't have that um inability to celebrate goals and so on yeah honestly if you offer me the opportunity to have that scrapped I'd bite your hand off for it I think it's it's killed football even more so money and technology seems to ruin football for me it really does I can't mm. stand it but you know when all was said and done whilst there were some frustrations there and obviously don't like losing to Arsenal it was um, it was a decent show and there were positives to come from it without a doubt mm. and talking of positives let's talk about last night we came up against a whole side who knocked out Premier League leads in the last round and we absolutely battered them didn't we oh yeah it was so so one sided we shouldn't have conceded the goal that we did um, completely dominated them it's weird because in a way some ways I prefer that team to the one that we put out in the league um, mm. certainly going forward I do anyway um, and yeah they played very, very well. Again, Yarmolenko and Alair played well. Um, you could also say that the two young lads played well. I thought Ashby and um, Elise played very, very well. Another two off the Dave Hunt recruitment production line. You know, he's uh, responsible for Declan, for Connor, for Nathan Holland, for uh, Martinez, who I told you has now joined Porto, didn't I? I told, did I tell yeah. you that? Yeah. Um, Alice, Ashby, um, 
loads of them. I don't so. think we've we've. I can't he was on like, the podcast. If you sorry to interrupt, he was on the podcast. If you remember about a year or so ago, naming these players as potential. Yeah, good players. Yeah, and, and do you know what? Are. I mean, how long has it been since we've had such a roster? of academy players coming through to be excited about. Yeah. So massive credit to Dave well, there and, and the rest of the coaches. We need to get back on the podcast hopefully one day. I mean, he doesn't work for West Ham anymore, which is a, a great shame because, you know, he's a massive West Ham fan. You know, I, I do know Dave, you know, well. I mean, he didn't tell me anything. I wish he did because he could be a great source. So that's why, he, <laughs> if you ever want to stop being so professional and tell me something, it'd be great. But he, um, we talk about West Ham. You know, we text each other most games. Um, he's a huge West Ham fan but such is the way unfortunately it doesn't work for the club anymore I don't think the club have too much to do with him at the moment and unfortunately we've done that with other members of staff that have been very useful to us Tony Carr uh, mm. is an example um, so yeah anyway sorry what were you saying what yeah you no I, I, that is a shame and you know with a club that has a history of having your own people there, you'd think that Dave, with his track record, would be one of the first names they'd be looking to keep, really, wouldn't you? You would think so, but who knows what goes on in the thought processes. But yeah, um, I think strange. I think Yarmolenko now has to be considered ahead of Fornells, I would say, for a wing position, because I think every time Yarmolenko has played, he's done something. Mm. Whether he's scored, set them up, you know, I think he he should have played himself ahead of Fornells. Now, I, as I say, I feel bad for that, because I like Fornells. I think he's got potential, but I think he's a number 10. I don't think he's a winger. Yarmolenko, you could argue, is contributing more than Bowen has for a while now, so really, he should start. And as I've said before, and you know, people seem to think I'm a massive Allaire critic and don't get me wrong I have pointed out things that I think he could do better however the striker has scored four goals in two games now I know it's against a lower opposition but you still got to finish it and you still got to get in the right position and so on I think you have to start him now because whenever is it going to be a better time mm. you know you put him in against Wolves and hope he continues this form and if he does and he turns out to be the full Forty-five million pound forward that some people think he will be. Then we've given ourselves a massive boost because at the moment we've got not a flop because that's too harsh, but we've got a, a, a forward that isn't playing in the Premier League. So you turn that from being a bench warmer essentially to a forty-five million pound forward. It's going to be a massive boost. And if you got him and Antonio both scoring, well then surely that gives us a better platform than. Than we've oh, had without a, a doubt. So, are you now coming around to the fact that you think we should play two up front, given the fact that you can't argue that um, Antonio is not out of form? Yeah. No, so it would be unfair to drop him. He scored in the last game. So I think with both of them firing, I, it'd be madness not to use the pair of them. That's what it? I think. Yeah. I mean, ideally, I would always go with the four, um, two, three, one, or four, five, one, whichever way you want to call it. But I think because, like we've said, you've got both of the forwards scoring now, you can't argue that Antonio should be ahead of Allaire or vice versa because they're both proven that they're getting goals now. So I think 
this is the time to try this out. You know, it might flop. They might be rubbish. We might lose. But we've got to try it out because there's no better time to do it. Now, you're as good as your last game. Allaire scored four goals in two. He scored in pre-season as well. So he was mm. he was scoring then. So I think you've got to give him the chance because when else are you going to give him that chance? Mm. When Antonio gets injured, maybe. And then you're relying on a, him as your only forward. Yeah, but again, so, give him the chances and he'll score. Oh, yes, he's done it so far against our opposition but you know if you don't get the service you're not going to score the goals it's as simple as that and you could argue that if we're coming up against better opposition you might see less goals from Hilaire I guarantee it's because the midfielders are not good enough to beat that better quality opposition to provide him with the service to score those goals he has to play we spent £45 million on him I can see real quality in him he's in form there's just something about him I like take away the the form that he showed mid to end of last season, especially at the end of last season where he didn't get an opportunity and Antonio was on fire, fair play. But I think he he, he has to start for West Ham yes. with Antonio. But do you know what's funny? When you think about Yarmolenko, he's been out of favour for quite a while at West Ham and I'm not sure that's actually really that justified. He might have been overshadowed maybe with Bowen coming in and people getting excited about him. But when I think of Yarmolenko, I don't necessarily think of any really bad games that he's had for West Ham that's made me think, yeah, no, he's got to be dropped now. Not not like I do with like a Philippe Anderson or a Lanzini. Mm. And yet I can think of a number of games where he's really made a difference. Yeah. And I wonder how much uh, of a victim he's been through his injury that he got. I think the problem with Yarmolenko... West Ham fans getting used to life without him during that time he was out? No, I think the main problem he's got, and it's, it brutally comes down to the fact that he's a winger with no pace. I think mm. that is the problem. And in this current era of football, pace is the most essential attribute in pretty much every position. But certainly as a winger it's the most important attribute and unfortunately he doesn't have that I've always said to you if you could put Antonio's speed and physique with Yarmolenko you'd have a world class player because yeah, I think I technically Yarmolenko is very 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 good but I think every game for in this is includes the end of last season he has contributed something whether it be an assist or a goal yeah or he's created a good opportunity you know i think he deserves to start now um and and i think if you had him in there see this is where it gets a bit tricky because if you put him in there and then you're putting a layer to play up top with antonio what formation are you playing then where is yarmolenko mm. playing in that well i mean so, if we're looking at Pace being an important factor when you're a winger, which I totally agree with, by the way. Could you, in theory, not give him a go in a number 10 role? Mm. Playing behind the top two. You could, and you could all, almost... Yeah, you could. Like, you'd have... You could have Rice and Suchek as your, like, defensive, physique, mm. physical, uh, get the ball. You could have Yarmolenko just ahead of them to maybe, you know, take it round a player or two and play some through balls. Um, I... I I think it's interesting because I think Anderson's done all right, you know, as well in these games. Yeah. Um, not uh, like blown me away, but I think he's done enough to to push for a first team spot. It's hard because yes, you are. You can't. You can't say that it's only Charlton. It's only Hull because how many times have we lost those teams before? Yeah. But, exactly. But. The brutal facts are they are a League One team. So so it's very tricky to actually balance out mm. is Fornells worth replacing with Yarmolenko because Fornells hasn't performed, in my opinion, against Newcastle and Arsenal. 
Whereas Yarmolenko has played well against Charlton and Hull. Mm. So it's just like, what, what, there's no clear answer there. But I think you are only, you can only be judged on the game you've played and, and the opposition. Yes, it is significant, but you can't use that as a judging factor. So I think Yarmolenko should play, I would almost say, above either Bowen or Fornells. I, I think, think that's harsh on Bowen. I'm not sure. Do you think that's harsh on Bowen? I think it is. can't overlook his work rate. No, Bowen. I think it is harsh on Bowen. He's decent going forward as well. Yeah, I think it probably is harsh on Bowen. Don't get me wrong, it is. And I've always said you have to start Bowen. So probably yeah, it should be Fornells. But Yarmolenko has done more... Um, since the start of the season than Bowen has. Yes, it's two different yeah, games. It's two but games he scored, as well, wasn't he it? He scored two goals yesterday. Mm. Uh, got assists. You know, Bow- Bowen's only scored one goal for us. No, yeah. I know he's played brilliantly yeah. in some games and I do like him, but he has only scored one goal for us. Yeah. And the hasn't. But then he brings to that midfield what no other midfielder does from a, from a winger's perspective is that he tracks back yeah. his work rate. I mean, he's a right-back stream. Yeah. His work yeah. rate is absolutely phenomenal. He's always hungry. He's professional. He's motivated. He always wants to get forward and always wants to get back. He's incredibly fit. And in, in a strange way, he's a little bit like Antonio in terms of that engine. And you can't have too many engines in the side. And for that reason, I think he's a bit of an understated hero on the yeah, pitch, really. Yeah. And I'm not comfortable dropping Bowen. But then at the same time, I'm not comfortable only playing someone of Yarmolenko's quality in cup games. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it is a difficult one. And do you know what? It's frustrating as well because you've got the likes of Anderson and Lanzini. When you're talking about the likes of Hilaire, there's still a Willie won't he make it in the Premier League. Has he got what it takes? The frustrating thing is we've got two players there in Anderson and Lanzini where we know they've already proved it that they can do it. They can cut it. They are quality players. They can make things happen. They're dangerous. They're exciting to watch. But then that's another gamble. Do you go with better the devil you know and hope that they can bring that to the table on a match day? Or do you run the risk of them getting completely overrun, playing with no confidence at all and looking like they'd rather be anywhere else other than on that pitch, which is what they've really shown us over the last year to 18 months? Yeah, I mean, it's really tricky, isn't it? Because you've also got to throw into the mix that Snodgrass played well yesterday yeah, as well. Yeah, he did. And that Cullen played well against Charlton. Uh, and I thought it was really harsh for him to not even be on the bench against Arsenal. Um, and now you've got Maseraku playing well. So... It's, you'd think that we'd had a great start to the season. Obviously, we have in the cup, but we've lost two league games. But what it is at the moment is that we don't know what our best team is. We don't even know what our best formation is, really. Mm. And the fact that you and I can sit here and feel a section of the podcast as much as we do about team selection almost every week, most teams now know what their formation is and which players are going to be in what position. But we don't have a clue. You can mm. argue for the Charlton whole team to start in the Premier League and you could argue for the Premier League team to start in the Cup. There's no clear difference. It would be really interesting if you could set it up so that you did actually play those two teams against each other mm. in a sort of, in, almost in a competitive way in a game mm. and see who would win. It's mm. just very hard to call, uh, which could be an argument to say we've got good squad depth, but then it could also be an argument to say that we don't know what our best players are. But the thing that's funny is, like, and David Sullivan has alluded to this a little bit in the interview, we can argue here a lot which midfielders we should play and which wingers we should play. Okay, we've only got two forwards, but we can still argue which one we should pick. When it comes to defence, 
you can't argue much, can you? You can argue between Fredericks and um, Johnson. You can argue between Cresswell and Masaraku. And then you've got Ogbonna, Diop and um, Balbuena. There's just not mm. as much mm. to right. argue about there. So yeah. that shows, like has been said by Moyes and on this podcast repeatedly, that it's our defence that the key issue mm. is. But does this conversation not also highlight to you that Mark Noble probably doesn't belong in the starting lineup at West Ham. Because every time we have the conversation about that central midfield, the first two names we throw out there are Rice and Suchek. They're no-brainers. But then every time me and you, I've noticed, have spoken about that other midfielder or that number 10 role, we always talk about, well, Fornells would be better suited there, or maybe you could play Yarmolenko there, or maybe Anderson could be a number 10. We very rarely talk about Mark Noble in the first part of that conversation. Yes, he's the captain, but if we talk with our heads over our hearts for a minute, has the time come now where the armband's got to go to deck and then that third midfielder is an attacking midfielder and Nobbs is on the bench? I think probably, yeah. Uh, I think it probably has. I think Declan should be the captain. Whilst Noble's still there, he would obviously have the role as the overall club captain, so to speak, and the ambassador uh, as such. But I think on the pitch, it should be Declan now. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, Declan plays every minute of every game pretty much in the league. Um, and so he's always there. You know, Noble's beginning to get knocks and things like that. So even in terms of consistency, you can have Rice. And I think you're right. I think Noble, Rice and Suchek are too good defensively to put Noble in and then Noble's not good enough attacking mm. for him to get in any other position. Mm. So yeah, I like Noble to still be there. Having him on the bench is great, but probably in the starting eleven you need someone else. Yeah, and I agree with you actually. From my perspective, I honestly it's nothing against him. I know it sounds a bit harsh, he's still finding his feet maybe. Even that's debatable because he's been here a year now. I, I can't for the life of me understand why David Moyes would continue with full nails at this stage. Mm. When you've got glimpses from Anderson, when you've got Yarmolenko, maybe there's potential in sticking him on the left. I don't know. I know he likes to cut in on his left, so maybe on the right, but then I'd, I'd like to keep Jared. So I don't know, but even Mazuaku on the left wing, I think I'd take over four nails. Yeah, I think so. I, I think, think that those are the two glaring, obvious changes that I would make Yeah. to, to that formation. I would lose four nails from left wing. I would lose nose from central mid. Yeah. And I would put two players in its place. Yeah, I don't think I can argue with you too much either. I mean, for now, there was a period net last season where he was getting regular assists and scoring and looking like he'd finally found his feet in England. But the thing that has is alarming for me is when you watch um, West Ham v Newcastle and you got for nows, and Andy Carroll running for the ball, and Andy Carroll beats him to the ball yeah. when he was behind him. Yeah. What yeah. the fuck does that say? <laughs> Seriously, I mean, that is ridiculous. That's yeah. like a donkey running the Grand National. Yeah. You know, it's, it speaks volumes, doesn't it? It does, and um, it's just, yeah, it's just, that's where <laughs> that's the problem. Yeah, it is, it is. Um, I have to say, and we've already touched on it, how good was it to see three of the back four last night being homegrown talent? Yes, yeah, yeah, massively. I thought 
I thought Ashby had a really good game. I thought he played really, really well. Mm. Um, Second I, game in a row he's done, all right? Yeah. Is he okay, by the way? Uh, yes. I, I, I Name dropped there. I messaged him on Twitter last night and uh, said, is everything all right? He said, yeah, fine, mate. I think he just dislocated his finger. It's funny because I was speaking to um, Jack. I feel like I'm name dropping constantly today. <laughs> it's not intentional. It's actually point is to develop the show. But Jackson Ray, you know, who we obviously had on the show, yeah. Saracens rugby player when we went and watched him play against Harlequins and his front teeth smashed out, put them in his sock and carried on. Yeah. You know, we were texting last night and he was like, oh, come on, lad, pull yourself together. It's just a dislocated finger. It happens every game for us. And, <laughs> and I, I don't, I've never done it, so I don't know how painful it is. But I thought, geez, this boy is in trouble. But yeah. I think it was just a dislocated finger or something he'll be fine once it's popped back into place and stuff so, yeah so i think yeah i think he's i think he's okay Good. um less i thought played really well i thought he was really composed didn't have much to do granted but mm. the things he did have to do granted he sort of granted he was he was composed he was firm in the tackle he was solid i thought he did really well i thought johnson johnson's not impressed me as much as i thought he would have done this season but still early days he impressed me at the end of last season um i don't think he's necessarily done bad no though, he, he? I, he hasn't he didn't play well against bournemouth in the betway cup but okay. it's a friendly but um and um Long Longello, or however you pronounce his yeah, name. Yeah, I was going to ask you for that pronunciation. Yeah, Longello. I don't know. Is it right? Okay, yeah. I, I don't know. I was going to go with Longello. I thought it was, but... all right. it was all right, but um, yeah. Yeah, but it's interesting because a, f- a few people have tweeted saying, you know, what's the story with these kids? And, and I've just got a little snippet of information and a couple of fun facts on each of them. Uh, Ashby comes from Kent. He left Chelsea under 10s because he felt that there wasn't a pathway for him there. He used to be a winger, but converted to full-back, and his dad was actually a professional footballer. Yeah. He played centre-half for Gillingham. Yeah. Uh, Alessi is from Elm Park, and has been with us since he was eight. And uh, he's also been a regular for England since he was 15. Um, went on well loan to Accrington yeah. Stanley last season. And uh, Longello joined us at, eight, at nine years of age. Uh, he's from Barking, so Barking boy. Uh, was originally a winger, again converted to fullback. Interestingly, his brother plays for the under twenty three academy at Newcastle. Oh, does he? I didn't know that. So yeah, so a little bit Stato, of a... There you go. Stato. Yeah, uh, yeah, I've got someone else to thank for that, by the way. <laughs> okay. Um, Who's that? No, uh, Mark Phillips. <laughs> coach at West Ham. <laughs> Thanks for that, Mark. Yeah. Uh, but obviously he he knows these kids really well. And they do sound like really good kids. Really good kids. And good luck to all of them. Um let's talk about David Sullivan. Because yeah. He had an interview on TalkSport today. Now, interestingly, there's been a lot of activity on Twitter in relation to this, a big response, and it's just another shower of shit, really, from the owner. Um, Now, granted, he doesn't come out and talk very often. This was a request that was made by numerous West Ham fans for that to be the case. Mm -hmm. And after hearing him talk today, I can understand why that is and remind myself why people didn't want him to talk because his sons didn't want him to talk either right and I understand because again it's just it's completely counterproductive you've heard the interview I've heard the interview what are your thoughts on it uh, it was not a good thing to do. Um, I think he said a number of things in there which, as a West Ham fan, are not great to hear. I f- the fact that a success in the Cup 
has been put down to almost to be a bad thing because we have to spend £50,000 travelling to um, Everton or Fleetwood when really that should be exciting for the owner of a football club. He stated that that trophy without gate receipts and there's no cash prize at the end of it. But the cash prizes for winning these cups surely shouldn't be the motivation. The motivation Mm. should be giving the fans silverware and then a passport into Europe where you would then get money back shortly. I find that shocking. I think the fact that the transfers basically... He's ruined my section for this week, but he's basically said um, that we're not close to signing anyone. That's worrying. I've been told by a few people that players don't want to join West Ham. Yeah. They don't want to join West Ham for reasons that we've stated on this podcast. We have. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I find it worrying that he is prepared to say that every signing that Pellegrini made pretty much has been, he only recommended two players to Pellegrini to sign and they were Fabianski and Diop, mm. which happened to be mm. the two players that have probably been all right signings. Mm. Well, certainly Fabianski has and Diop has been a good signing. Every other player he's put down to Pellegrini, where I'm pretty sure... <laughs> and they're still there, by the yeah, way. exactly. That's the thing. <laughs> they're still they're there. St- they're still there, so he slagged them off. Yeah. He then praised... Morale. Yeah, he then praised Robert Snodgrass when previously he'd been on record as saying that his t- sons told him not to sign Robert Snodgrass. Um, he said that he doesn't regret selling Dean Garner because we've got eight wingers. Um, when I think it, Dean Garner should have stayed... Uh, I just think it was it has done nothing to improve West Ham fans' opinion on him. I haven't been on Twitter today, so I've not been able to gauge the reaction. But the fact is, to a West Ham fan, you've been told we've got no, we're not going to sign any players, pretty much. And if we do, they you know we're going to be lucky. We're disappointed that we have to spend fifty thousand pound going to the next round of the cup. Um, that. Pellegrini was an absolute disaster, signed, um, basically wasted two, three years. So we've given up. We're never going to have a high-paid manager or director of football again because of one incident. Mm. Um, it's just not good listening. Well, let's look at the quotes. Let's look at the quotes from, from what I took from today. So this was the first one. The win last night is marvellous. But it's probably cost us 50 grand because we have to fly to Fleetwood or Everton next week. Whereas home games, because of the nature of the deal with the stadium, cost us very little. But we are paying for those games whether they take place or not because we have an annual rental based on 25 games. But away games, unfortunately, we've got a 50 grand cost next week. I mean, it's incredible. It sounds like the cup competition is a hindrance to him. Uh, no, and that is what's ridiculous. And, mate. £50,000. Why are West Ham worried about £50,000 fucking pounds? When the club originally, well, the the club has been valued on Karen Brady's website or whatever it is, worth £800 Yet now, £50,000 is an issue for us. How can that be a problem for West Ham? And and if £50,000 is a fucking issue for West Ham, how the hell are we going to sign any players? That's half of Jack Wilshire's weekly wage. Exactly. You know, how are we going to sign, and how are we going to move forward if £50,000 is now a problem for us? It's incredible. And yeah. the thing is, he has a moan up about the, the rental agreement and having to pay whether those games take place or not. I'm not being funny. You make your fucking bed, you're lying in. Well, exactly. This yeah. was an agreement that he orchestrated, he got us involved in, 
and the fans didn't even want to be part of it. So for him to now give us a sob story about the agreement he's got with a stadium, he's expecting fireworks there. And we had a stadium where we didn't have to pay rent on. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. 100%. Um, it's just incredible. Absolutely incredible. But let's look at the next one as well. We have a number of bids in for a number of players. Teams don't want to lose their key players. These clubs are outside of the UK and it's difficult. So why does every other club not have a problem in this transfer market then? Why are West Ham, to my knowledge, the only club in the Premier League that haven't signed anyone? Why is it there's always somebody else to blame for the demise of his ownership at West Ham? And rewind two, three months ago when everything that was coming out of the club um, was, we're going to buy British, we're going to buy young players, we're looking at the Red Bull model. Now, we're looking abroad for all our players. Yeah, so, and selling homegrown talent. Yeah, exactly. So, so we've changed our complete strategy in the space of two months, basically. So we have no strategy, clearly. No. Or the first strategy was bullshit or we're going for the cheap option now whatever way you look at yeah. it it doesn't look good and um you know we've got a load of bids in for all of these players yeah so he specified we've got loads of bids in so do we have a strategy there who do we want to sign if we've got bids in left right and center he says we're not just taking anyone but the fact that we've got bids in all over the place and surely we are yeah because you should have one target that you want to sign and then you buy that one target you don't have five six bids in different countries for different players because that's where our recruitment's gone wrong in the past it is where we've yeah. had no strategy to sign players so you know we might have a from my knowledge and i don't have a huge amount of knowledge because we've got bids all over the place but we've got a bid in for a defender an italian defender playing in italy we've got a bid in for a french defender playing in france we've got a bid in for a greek defender yeah, but I mean, who's finding these players x i think it's a combination of Moyes supposedly watching 18 hours of videos a day um agents throwing players sadibi right now i actually you know apparently didn't play very well for everton when he was on loan to them last year i can't comment because i don't watch enough football of other clubs to know but the guy is a French international he's played in the World Cup technically probably not a bad player he's been thrown at us on loan and um supposedly um we don't know if we want him or not like all agents are doing now they know that we're desperate they know we don't have a strategy they know that we want defenders so we're getting linked with every tom dick and harry there is i i could do a section on players that i've heard that west ham have looked at and watched but i would be throwing out 40 names there and then i'll get the usual people saying oh x is just throwing out 40 names no i'm throwing out 40 names that we have looked at or inquired about because we don't have a strategy yeah I mean the one single line that, that haunted me when he said it and it just infuriated me because it really brought it home why the fuck have we moved why have we committed to this fucking football stadium under next level ambition for him to say this single line he said we've got to keep the club afloat <laughs> I, I mean, I, I just, I, I, the fucking rage inside me, honestly. This is another thing he said. I cannot say for sure that we're going to sign anybody. Right. Uh, as each day passes, I get more depressed. There's no point saying otherwise. We are not Roman Abramovich or the king of Abu Dhabi who owns Man City. You can't pay double what you value a player at. Now, it's just incredible because if you actually 
would have used some common sense and looked into what was a key part of running a football club from a recruitment perspective. We've said it time after time after time after time again. It's implementing a top European scouting network. And at Premier League level, you should be able to afford it and you should be able to source the right scouts to do it. Mm. Now, if we had that in place, then our transfer list could look a hell of a lot different than it does now. And rather than being a tug of war with Burnley over a fucking player that don't even want to come to West Ham as to whether they accept £32 million over the £50 million they want, we would then be having discussions with sides from France, from Italy, from Germany, wherever they may be, and those discussions might be around 5 to £10 million on the next Riyad Mahrez yeah. or on Golo Kante mm-hmm. well, to make a difference. But it's, it's so obvious why the fucking hell haven't we done that? Why are we relying on David Moyes watching 18 hours of videotapes and rogue agents that fucking just want to cream a percentage off of a, a, a great relationships that they've managed to manipulate with David Sullivan? 100%. It's so tunnel vision and closed mind. And yet, people are surprised that we can't sign any fucking players. Firstly, we haven't got the global outreach to find who these players are. And secondly, these players don't want to fucking play for West Ham. No. Fuck me, the, some of the fans don't even want to support West Ham. No, Why would know. a neutral external player want to come to this club and hold the fucking uh, scarf up and pose for a picture yeah, at West Ham? It's, it's a fucking shower of shit. I know. I mean, I totally agree with you, mate. I, I couldn't have said it better. And the, th- the thing is as well, like, why is Moyes having to watch 18 hours of videos now? Because does that mean that until this point, we don't know who we were going to sign? We've had the windows been open oh, since exactly. May. So why are we watching 18 hours? As soon as we knew we were mathematically safe, bang, right, let's go to work. Exactly. Who are we going to look at next season? Yeah. And here's a list of 20, 30 players. Let's put inquiries out now. Exactly. And the thing is, right, so I'm going to take one example. So Brighton, they signed a guy called Joel Veltman, yeah? Yeah. They signed him for less than a million pounds, right? He's a a centre-back or a right-back, yeah? 28 years of age, Dutch international, played... Eight years at Ajax, 179 appearances. He's played 24 times for Holland. Now, I know Holland aren't quite the force they used to be, but that's more down to poor management and too big of egos. The players in from Holland, particularly if you've come from the Ajax Academy, are still technically very good players. He signed, and he hasn't actually played for Brighton yet because I think he's been injured or he might have played in the Cup, I think, but he's not played in the league yet. He signed for them for £900,000 because they had a release clause on him now nine hundred thousand pounds in this day and age mm. we've got like pre-covid i let's say is fucking nothing no. right so there you go i don't know if he's any good or not i'm just going on the fact he's played for holland that many times and an ajax but for nine hundred thousand pounds you cannot go wrong we weren't in the market for him you know there's other players that have been signed by other clubs as well, that you would think, why haven't West Ham looked at that player? Why have West Ham not known about him? You know, why? Where do, where do like these clubs always manage to pick up these players from? Like, you know, when Leicester, when Leicester, 
Kinsella player. You know, they sold Maguire and they got that Turkish centre-back mm. who's done really well for them. You know, they sell, sell, sell Chilwell, they'll get something. They, they sold Kante, they get someone in. They always get good replacements yep. for the players they sell. Southampton are the same, you know. Mm. They um, they sell, you know, they've sold Mane, Van Dijk, they've sold loads of them. So they sell Van Dijk to um, Liverpool and then they get the other fella... Holzberg is his name, is that it? I think that Tottenham signed. Mm. So there always seems to be someone that they then yeah. bring in and they, and, and it's just, we just don't do this. You know, we just don't have a clear strategy. Are we doing the Red Bull approach and signing young English player, British players, or are we signing foreign players, or are we signing players on loan, or are we putting big bids in for them? At the end of the day, West Ham, if we get relegated to the Championship, our value to David Sullivan or to any potential owner goes down massively. So for the sake of spending a few more million, you know, I think with Trakowski, I think Burnley want 40 million. I think we've bid 32-33. So for the sake of five, six, seven million to get the player that your manager really wants, mm. do it. Yeah. It's not like you're going from signing a player or you only wanted to play half a million and you're being made to pay 40 million. You bid close to what they're asking yeah. for. So I know you've got to draw the line somewhere, but if we're in the position where no player wants to sign for us and nothing's happening, then you've got to pay that little bit extra to get those players. Yeah. This annoyed me as well. The fans were on my back to get a big name manager, a director of football, and it didn't work. We've gone back to grassroots, a British manager who picks his players. I cannot sign players the manager doesn't want. So for me, I heard that and I thought... It contradicts itself. So, yeah, but I, do you know what? The overriding emotion for me was, again, just anger. Because I'm listening to it and I'm thinking, right, so that's our fault, is it? So the mm. fans, God forbid, dared to request a bit of ambition from this football club for the first time since moving from Upton Park. And you did it. Fair play to you. I held my hands up when Pellegrini was appointed. I was buzzing. New director of football, didn't know anything about him, but buzzing that it seems like finally we're starting to get some sort of structure in place. Then we went and spent over £100 million in the transfer window. Brilliant. This could be the start of something. Yes, it all fell apart. But is that it then? Is that it? So is David Sullivan saying, I tried giving you what you wanted. It didn't work. So now we're not going to do that anymore. We're now going to go ahead with David Moyes, no scouting network, limited funds every single window, and try it that way. Because if they're prepared to say, we tried because you asked for it and it didn't work, fair enough, fair enough. So then what are you still doing here? If you don't want to keep having a punt at taking this club to the next level and learn from your previous mistakes, but become stronger off the back of them. And next time, make the right appointment. Next time, you know, put as much money in the transfer market. Be smarter with the players that you've got. Look who you can lose, who you can make money on, how you can make profit. Increase the, the, the stature of the club. If, you, if that isn't your mindset, then fucking sell up. What are you doing here? Because you're ultimately saying, we try to shoot for the stars, we try to take you where... We sold you on taking you. We didn't get there, and we're not going to get there, and that's life. Well, it ain't fucking life. It's a, it's annoying, and you're holding the club back by not being the people in charge 
to consistently keep trying to do that. I totally agree. And there's two things for me that comes out of this. What is actually massively contradictory because if you take three of the statements together, right? So, so he said that he appointed Pellegrini and Husilios and gave them all these money, but he only contributed to signing Fabianski and Dirk, right? Yeah. And then he said, so that he tried that and it didn't work. So now we're going to have a British manager who, um, who we're going back to the basics. So what does that mean? Does that mean mm. that he is also picking the players now uh, with David Moyes? Because he then says in that interview, it's not me that picks the players. It's David yeah. Moyes that yeah. picks them. Yeah. So what is different now to what he had with Pellegrini other than the fact that Moyes is on a lot less money and we don't have a director of football but so he's either saying he's now back involved in the transfers because that's what was happening before you didn't want it so I changed it but now we're going back to what we did before so either he is involved in the transfers or he's not either Moyes is making the decisions or he's not it contradicts itself hugely also he said so we're going back to a British manager yeah we're going back of basics going back to grassroots yet all our bids are for foreign players yeah so so how is that going back to grassroots yeah exactly. that's the same as what we were doing before but yeah. again we're bidding less than what we bid before and if you're going to go back to grassroots why the fuck has it got to be david moyes i know why couldn't you've gone for a I'm not saying this would be my own choice but fucking probably over david moyes a scotty parker a eddie howe why, why, if you're going to go back to grassroots, does it have to be David fucking I'm a dinosaur cunt Moyes? I'm sorry. It's just insulting, isn't it? It is insulting. It is. It's, what do you think we are? And do you know what? A wasted opportunity for him to actually try and get a smidgen of empathy from some fans. Why not come out and say, do you know what? I've made mistakes. I've made a lot of mistakes. Mate, you know and it haunts me every day of my life. But every day I'm working to change this. It's always everyone else's fucking fault. And I'll tell you what, whilst he's also definitely alluded to it all being Pellegrini's fault during that period, I think he's also subtly having a pop at David Moyes there as well. Because yeah. he keeps saying, I'm not going to buy players unless the manager wants them. Yeah. So it, it's going about Divering David. Again. He is basically that, saying, yeah. I'm ready to get these players. I need David to tell me who he wants. Yeah. In other words, it's on David. Yeah. You know, it's, everything is always someone else's fucking this is fault. Why, this is why David Gold, I think at the moment, is trying to distance himself from David Sullivan because you know who's next in the firing line. It'll be David <laughs> yeah. Gold. Um, so I think he's trying to distance himself from it. Um, and I And I agree. See, the thing is, right, like, I have spoke to someone very close to David Sullivan, I'll give it away, although it's fairly obvious, and he says things like, we know we've not made the right decisions at time, and I say to this, I've said to this person in the past, don't speak to them much anymore, but I've said to this person in the past, say that, that would get so much more credibility yeah, than than making excuses and blaming everyone else. And And, and the thing is, like, you know... Yes, the whole COVID situation has been shit for everyone, but every other club is still managing to buy players. Look at Everton, you know. Everton have bought, you know, Rodriguez and Alan and um, 
decor A and all everyone else good is doing it. Yeah, and why and, is it just West Ham? And it's, but it was the same with the financial fair play. Yeah, and we were the I only know. team that ever talked about that. And yeah. now, having spent years abiding the rules of financial fair yeah. play, we're fucked. It doesn't even exist. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're fucked, and that it doesn't sense. and it doesn't even exist anymore anyway. So like you know, it's it the the whole thing is just an absolute fucking joke. And what you also notice as well, where's the talk of takeover bids now? Right, why is Jim White not asking him yeah, about these takeover yeah, bids? And why is David Sullivan not talking about it? if it's absolute rubbish, which as I've said previously, I think people got swept away on a few people trying to make hits and names for themselves. However, it was still in the press. It was still thereabouts. If you've got the um, owner of West Ham saying they've got no money, that £50,000 um, to go to a cup game is too much money, then the natural question is, well, why don't you sell the club? Who's going to take over the club? Surely mm. you're looking to sell. Yep. Why was that question not asked as well? Mm well or even hinted at by the chairman the chairman could say i'm so fucking broke can someone come in and buy this club and invest off me but let's be honest he's a billionaire how mm. broke is he has he really lost that much money so that fifty thousand pounds is an issue now that's incredible from billions yeah you know, like i know it's, it's incredible just, it's just it's just it's just a car crash again because when do you ever get when do you ever get a chairman of any other Premier League club going on talk sport radio and basically sitting there <laughs> with his fucking cap out in front of him doing a fucking dance on the subway station yeah. trying to plead poverty yeah. and that is basically what he's done and almost <laughs> almost been a bit gutted that we've gone through to the next round of the fucking cup oh, I mean, and he haven't at West Ham oh mate it's just it's just ridiculous I mean when I think to myself of all the things that my 30 odd years of supporting West Ham I've had to experience and there's some of them a lot of them are pre-David Golden, David Sullivan but a hell of a lot has happened in their time and I think to myself yeah it could be worse because we are a Premier League team but however the things that have happened in these times are no. just absolutely ridiculous you know it is it is comical what mm. happens it really is yeah. it's, ban- it's relentless as well it's banter it? FC it yeah. just doesn't ever stop no mate. complete like, circus act yeah you, you, and it helps us as podcast as podcast yeah. um, weekly a weekly podcast show yeah. on West Ham we are fucking lucky yeah. because we get to talk about something almost every week yeah. most of the time it's negative but yeah. we but we get to talk about something whereas if you're a fan of I don't know one of my best mates supports Norwich you know it's a Norwich City season ticket holder. I mean, what the hell goes on at Norwich that you would be able to talk yeah. about every week? You know what the hell goes on at um, other than the match results? Obviously, pick another team in the Premier League. Southampton. What does a Southampton podcast talk about yeah. every week? You know, yeah. whereas at West Ham we are lucky in that respect. That or unlucky, it depends on what you look at. It does, but as podcast hosts, we always have something to talk about. That's yeah, for sure. yeah, it's true. But he sounded flustered, defeated uninspiring and almost resigned to the fact that he cannot take this club forward but can't admit it to himself. Terrible interview, terrible PR, terrible future under GSB. Can X save the day with some positive news? Let's find out.
dare I ask, mate, what have you got for us this week? Uh, not a lot, to be fair, because um, David Sullivan has kind of ruined my section a little bit um, because, you know, he's basically said what I was going to say in the sense that we have bids in for numerous players, mainly versatile defenders, so ones that can play right-back, centre-back, or left-back, centre-back, or across the the bat line. Um, Did he get an intro when he spoke about those things, like yours? Or? Uh, I don't think so. No, he just certainly didn't get a personalised song, that's for sure. Right. Um, so, no, his section was disappointing in that respect. <laughs> but, uh, you know, um, he, he has basically said all of that, um, which hasn't really helped me in terms of news because a lot of that I was going to say. And also, a player I was going to break, the only one I was going to break today, has already been broken, unfortunately, by a journalist. Um, and that is Joe Roden at Swansea now um i think we um had some inquiries and they asked for a lot of money i am led to believe that we could get him for about 12 15 million pounds despite the fact that they've turned down bigger offers i think swansea are not in a good way financially and need to sell players however i sent that knowledge that i have of him on to um Fuck it, I'm going to say it to David Sullivan. Hey! <laughs> I sent it to him in an email and just said, look, mate. Well, I said, look, mate, that's a bit too personal. But I said, <laughs> oh, friends. Uh, yes, friends. Uh, actually, I always write very professionally when I email him. So I didn't say, look, mate. Afternoon, Sally. Yeah, well, no, I said, hi, David. <laughs> that's my usual start. Because the thing is, I always get such shitty responses back. So I try and suck her up. Not, and the thing is, it's not like I speak to him regularly. I've stated clearly on this show, he tells me fucking next to nothing. Um, but... But occasionally, as Gio will tell you at Hammers Chat, as Sean will tell you at um, Claret and Hugh, as Hugh would tell you at Claret and Hugh, as Jacob Steinberg would tell you at The Guardian, as fucking anyone that knows anything, if you email David Sullivan, he will reply. So I said to you, I've only done it since I've been here. Yeah. I said to him, I said to you, I mean, I'll, um, I'll chance it and see what he says. So I know from some good contacts that Joe Roden, who's a Swansea um, centre-back, um, is available for approximately 12 to 15 million because Swansea have some financial difficulties. Um, so I put it out to him and I said, you know, that's the situation. Um, trying to give him a bit of a heads up. And, and the response that I got to that um, revelational bit of news, which I thought was a, would help him, um, we know the player well. In a year, he could be very good. <laughs> So, <laughs> I don't really know what that means. I don't really know if that means, so what? I don't care if he's Well, it worth... probably means that we'll miss the opportunity to sign mm. him for 12 million now, but in 12 months' time, we'll offer 35 when the then club want 50. Yeah. And we'll miss out on him. Exactly. I mean, that's basically what that means. So, if we know in a year's time he's going to be very good, why don't we just sign him yeah. now? And we're talking 12 million as well. Know, and we need defenders. 15 million and we need defenders. And he's six foot four, I think. He's a British Welsh, Welsh international. So, he's British so he's a championship player so he ticks all that previous stuff that we've been told Um, uh, and yet he we think he'll be good next year I I can't I'm not uh, what's the word a um, a psychologist I can't tell you exactly what his thought process is on that reply but that's the reply I've got so I don't know. I messaged back and said, chance my luck even further. And I said, so what about for Fanner then? And um, I haven't got a reply to that one. So I think I'm in the, I think I'm in the silence books now. I won't be spoken to for ages. But 
on that one what i do know from from other sources is that um with him uh he thinks he's very expensive he is a player that has been offered to west ham um but he's very expensive and uh he thinks he's going to go to leicester um so i think we'll put a cheeky low offer in won't get him and it'll be the same old situation really Mm. be interested to know what ginger thinks of him uh, yeah, it would be actually, it would be interesting to hear what he said um, because I think, you know, Ginger would probably have a good good opinion on it. Um, is he a Welsh international as well? Uh, he fella? is, yeah, he is, is he? a Welsh international, yeah. Um, so it's, uh, it's uh, he would, by, I mean, I can't claim to see I've ever seen him play, but no, I, um, I, I think just going on the fact he's six foot four Welsh highly rated Manchester United inquired about him not long ago Liverpool have inquired about him so the fact that Liverpool and Manchester United are asking about him he's got to be fairly decent um mm. so I think I think it would be a shame for us to to miss out on him um but who knows what on earth is going on? Um, so the other player um, is Rujani, Rujani of Juventus. Um, I think there is, again, he is another player that's been offered to us by agents, but another player that um, whether we will sign him or not is is, is highly questionable um, because there's other clubs interested in him. He will cost... Um, money and I, I just don't know whether we fancy our chances of any of these players Callum Chambers from Arsenal again I think there is interest and I think that we would take him um, but whether he will want to come to us whether we'll pay the price I don't know nothing is close at the moment now Tchaikovsky David Sullivan's already stated he said the 28 year old centre back that will remain nameless <laughs> um, but let's be honest yeah. it is him um, Burnley are playing Millwall of all teams today and again he's not featured and I have been told by a decent source that um, he is trying to force a move now whether that's well, not to, to West Ham well whether it's to get out of Burnley for someone else I don't know but because um, I thought he, he didn't want to come down south well I don't think he does but I think it might be more to Leicester. I think he would come down south for a hundred thousand a week or whatever it is yeah. we're prepared to pay. Well, so people, no, people can forget whatever issues they have. I would move up north if I was being paid a hundred thousand pound a week. You know, as mm. much as I would want to live up north, and I'd rather stay down here and I'd miss you so much, mate. <laughs> but I, I, for a hundred grand a week, I would move yeah. up north. Yeah, but then what would the quality of your life be? What would it be like if the missus was in your ear all the time, saying how much she misses it down south? You know how much. Is that going to affect you psychologically? Are you still going to give 110% for the club you've signed for when you've got that shit going on in the background? You know, how professional are you going to be when you don't really, really, really want to be at the club that you've just signed for? And that seems to be the case with this fella, doesn't it? Yeah, I I personally agree with you now. I don't think we should sign him because he clearly doesn't want to. Um... But, mate, if we go on what David Sullivan's saying, no one wants to play for West Ham, so what the hell do we do? We're going to have to bribe them somehow, and the only thing that we can do, well, technically can do, is bribe them through money. Although we're now saying we don't have any money. I think the only logical option is look at the Championship, where players are going to be very appreciative of the opportunity to join a club like West Ham, or you look at loan signings. 
yeah. where in their mind they'll think, well, if it is as bad as I've read and it is as bad as I've heard, I can get out there in a year's yeah. time anyway, but I'll get Premier League experience, so why not? Yeah, I mean... Those seem to be logically the only two options we've got now. Well, Callum Chambers, it, it would be within his interest to join West Ham because, I mean, I obviously I, I don't know for certain what his chances are um, playing for Arsenal, but I'd imagine the fact that he's still, um, still available would suggest that he doesn't have a huge amount of chances. Now, he... He played for um, England a couple of times, isn't he? Um, so really, he, if he's gonna do anything to keep his career, um, keep his career. Uh, like at that sort of level that he's going to have to play Premier League football now wasn't he um, on loan somewhere else recently I was on loan at Fulham, Fulham. I mean that, mm. yeah I mean that was when they were last in the Premier League but um, he, he he can play right back he can play centre back he's 25 He's the, he would be a decent signing you know if you can get him on loan like you said his motivation is he's played three times for England he wants to try and prove everyone that he is still a Premier League player then he should join us maybe we'll get him on loan but the the fact of the matter is there's a couple of weeks left of the window and we are we are scraping the barrel to get players to mm. sign for us and it is just a poor poor situation we sold Dean Garner to be able to buy defensive players mm. and yet we don't have um, any players lined up so we would have been better off keeping Dean Garner mm. you know it's just a, it's just a mess you know I know that there's bids in for numerous players Danny Rose has been offered to us I reported that ages ago if you remember I remember reporting it to you when we were up in your little bedroom and we used <laughs> to do the podcast for so I broke that one ages ago he has been offered to us but they're not sure whether they want to go ahead with that but okay he didn't do great at Newcastle last year um, on loan, I don't think. Otherwise, I think Newcastle would have signed him rather than sign Jamel Lewis from Norwich. But we still should take a gamble on him because he's going to be better than the left-back options that we currently have. He's an England international that's played at the highest level. Yes, he might be on the decline, but you can give him a go. We've got we to gotta sign someone just mm. to move like a bit of spirit. But... We could, we could. I don't think it will happen, but we could go this window without signing a single player. Mm. Well, Sullivan even said that himself, didn't he? Well, there you go. This is why he sport my section. Um, well, not they would have been much more happy. And I know people tune into this podcast, obviously, for the great discussion, banter, and uh, <laughs> uh, everything else. But I know they want me to tell them yeah, positive course. transfer news. Yeah. But as you know, I've been doing this, and as they should know, I've been doing this since 2012. Mm. I don't do news that people want to hear. Mm. I do news that is factual. If you want to believe, if you want to get some false hope up about what's happening, go and read these transfer rumour websites that have to put news out to get hits. That I can't give you news that is a lie. It's the breaks my mm. breaks my code of honor, so to speak. Um, speaking about um, uh, cause COVID, um, it's uh, see that nice little link there between yeah, the I've two been topics. A bit of a stretch, it was yeah, a bit, I got wasn't it. it. <laughs> I must admit, when I said it, I was like, "Does that really go?" But we'll go with it. It's co anyway. Um, COVID. Um, you know, obviously, it was well documented yesterday. I I broke it because I first put the team out correctly with the original team in, and then got a message saying, "Make the teams change." Um, two players are. 
uh, different to to the team you've put out. And I was like, but West Ham have put that team out. And my source was like, mate, just trust me. It's two changes. And I went, why would there be? And I was like, ah. And I clicked within a short time frame what must have happened and then he told me the two players that it was and who was coming in and I thought it's not my place to really say when it's to COVID and then obviously it happened and then I heard that the manager um, had also failed the test so I'm like literally spelling it out to West Ham fans without actually saying it because technically it's a medical thing and like a health related thing that maybe could be argued I shouldn't say but indirectly by saying that your players have failed a last minute test as has the manager it's only it's something it's not transfer related and it's something that would is happening in this current day and age you don't really have to be a genius to work out what I was fucking saying. That said, I got the old troll going, you don't know what it is, you're guessing. <laughs> so that just sums up the mentality of those dickheads. But I um, I uh, uh, put that out because what happened was when they get to the stadium, they get a uh, a temperature check, right? It's part and parcel when they get there and they also have COVID test results before now he they had came up the results had came through positive for David Moyes Josh Cullen and Issa Diop and they had all sore throats as David Sullivan saying but temperatures as well so they have to sit go home and they have to isolate um for 10 days if they've got a positive test so Moyes will not be in the dugout on Saturday and Diop and Cullen won't be able to play now in my like so the other thing is in the cup sorry in the English Football League those clubs don't have to do the same protocols that Premier League clubs do because they can't afford it so Hull and Charlton as Dave Sullivan said don't have to have a Covid test so they were offered it Charlton took it Hull didn't because they can't afford to do it every week um so or either that or Hull quite cleverly thought to themselves well if a couple of our best players test positive here they won't be out of play. Yeah, exactly. And so, also, they no, knew you're right. We'll uh, we'll swerve that test. Yeah, and they knew a couple of West Ham players were out, so they yeah, might think that West exactly. Ham have been weakened. You know, Leighton Orient um, couldn't carry on. They had to cancel their game against Spurs because they had so many out. But um, so what happens is those players go home and isolate, and we can carry on. Now, I questioned why it was that the game can still go ahead because in my job, if someone tests positive in my workplace I have to and whoever those people like you have bubbles and things like that whoever those people social groups whoever those people have been around you have to close the bubble send them home and they have to get a test and then if they're positive or negative they can come back in but the Football League have an agreement, the Premier League, sorry, have an agreement with the government that they can carry on regardless. So even if 10 of our 11, even if the 11 starting players had got a test, we could have. If we had the players somewhere, we could have carried on with another 11 if we wanted to. Such a lot of bollocks, isn't it? This is what I mean about the whole situation. So without meaning to get bloody political, because we're a West Ham podcast and you are very anti... I don't know if anti-establishment's the right word, but you believe in conspiracy theories and things like that. So I know what your opinions are, but even if you believe 
which a majority of people do, I guess, believe that this COVID is what it is, the whole inconsistencies with the approach to it. You mm. know, what difference does it make if I'm drinking at 9.55 um, to whether I'm drinking at 10.05? You know, like, I just don't understand no, these ridiculous. things. And this football thing, I don't understand. How mm. can you do that? Because potentially, obviously, David Moyes, as the manager, has been around every one of those players, pretty much. So potentially, all of them could have it now, potentially. All of Hull's players could have it now, potentially. All of their families could have it, potentially. All of their family's family could have it. So just because West Ham want to play this game of football, you could potentially have infected hundreds of people mm. from one game. Mm. You know, that's why they won't let fans in the stadium, because of the knock-on effect, the infection rate. So it's just so bloody bizarre. Yeah. It really, really is. Um to try and bring a positive and I think we have brought the positive before um, the academy players whilst the academy teams have had some poor results Lee Star Academy is actually producing players now mm. um, that's it really I tweeted a fixture change earlier that's now been confirmed there are going to be other fixture changes um, for Sky and BT Sports um, so they I will reveal those at another point I'm sorry that there isn't much news to give in terms of transfers. There could be in the next few days. Some of these various bids might actually turn out to be good and actually close. And I will tell people when that happens. But obviously at the moment, from the chairman, the horse's mouth, nothing is close at this point. I mean, when we talk about the ongoing struggle with us defensively, have we not potentially got a solution in some of these young boys that are coming through now? Or do you think it's too early? Well, Elise looks good last night. Jamel Baptiste is another very highly rated one, although he is only 16. So that's a massive ask to throw him into the Premier League. Longello, Longello, left back, did okay. Ashby's did well at right back. I like the look of him, Ashby. Yeah, so you could argue... And I think this is what Dave, this is what David Sullivan's trying to say. David Moyes doesn't want to sign a player like a Carlos Sanchez, I guess, that doesn't add anything to the squad. Mm. Really, with hindsight, you would have been better never signing Carlos Sanchez and having Josh Cullen as the equivalent. Yeah. Because Josh Cullen's a better player than Sanchez. Yeah. And we paid 75 fucking grand a week yeah. for Sanchez yeah. for two years. Mm. Most of the time he was injured. And when he did play, he was fucking awful. Mm. I've sworn so much this show. <laughs> I do apologise. That's not not usually my nature. But uh, yeah, it was, it, was, um, it, it was a poor signing. So I think they're thinking, well, we're not going to do that again. But... I don't know. It's it's just a disappointing situation to be in as per. Yeah, as per. You got that right. Mm. Okay, thank you, mate. Next, it's the last part of the show, which is questions from our collective followers on social media. Now word on tonight's sponsors, our old friends Beer52. They're offering a free case of eight craft beers sourced and curated from the best breweries on the planet. All you need to do is go to www.beer52.com forward slash west and cover the £5.95 postage. Each case is delivered direct to your doorstep so no need to leave the house. If you're looking to stock up, now's your chance. 
Beer 52 is the world's most popular craft beer discovery club with over 150,000 members that they send a brand new case to every month. Each month's case has a different theme. Past themes have included beer from New Zealand, South Africa, Korea and all over USA and Europe. As an independent British company, Beer 52 are passionate about the UK craft beer scene and they continue to support it during this difficult period. If dark beer is not your thing, you can simply choose the light option and your case will come with the award-winning beer magazine Ferment and a tasty snack. Don't worry, if you do change your mind, you can pause or cancel your account at any time. Just go to www.beer52.com forward slash west to get your first case of eight beers for just £5.95. That's www.beer52.com forward slash west. Welcome back to the final part of the show where, as always, you've been good enough to give us your questions and I'm going to read a handful of them out. This one's from at Bedford Hammer. Brady was asked to stop her son column if we stayed up. Has she given notice to quit the sun? And if not, why would she carry on knowing how toxic the whole GSB situation currently is? And with her boss asking her to quit. Um, I think she has been asked to quit. I mean, it's been suggested to her by both um, of the of Golden Sullivan to stop. I think she um, uh, was meant to be stopping. Uh, she obviously isn't. I don't know why she isn't. I would put it down to ego. I have heard that she's looking to branch out, maybe to go into politics soon. Perhaps this is a way of keeping like a an avenue open um, to enable her to uh, voice opinions of that nature to maybe get herself into that field. But I don't know. The bottom line is she shouldn't be doing it. It's ridiculous. The thing she says, you know, the other day, um, Geo did a uh, spot on tweet on Hammer's chat, I think, where uh, he quoted her last column where she said football stadiums are one of the safest places (laughs) you can go to. And then West Ham players test positive for COVID. And I just, it's just another addition to the circus act that is West Ham United Football Club. Yeah, spot on. At Bow underscore Bells. Hi, X and Dave. Loving the West Ham Way podcast. In theory, could Sullivan sell his shares, Brady leave and Gold remain? Would this satisfy the GSB out mob? On the show, sometimes it sounds like you're saying Gold is not really part of the problem. It's funny you should say that, actually, because I was having a, a chat to someone, Sean Whetstone, actually, um, earlier before I came here, and I think he may have even done an article on this. Now, I I think David Gold wants to remain part of the club. I don't think he has much say in things as it is. I think he's out of the loop a lot of the time. Um, I think he is frustrated with how things go. The fella is in his 80s, you know, his dream, as he's told us on this very podcast, was to own West Ham, he does that, he doesn't want to die without meant to be crude, knowing that West Ham fans basically hate him, the majority of it, I think he would be happy to stay as he was, or even sell down to like 10% or even less, even like Terence Brown, for example, who's the former chairman, you know, of pre-Icelandic days. He's still a part of the board. He still has a minor percentage ownership of West Ham, and he still goes to every game in the director's boxes. I think Gold would be happy to do that. And he would. And I think that if a big investor came in and he stayed, 
I think he could probably save his reputation, is my opinion, because if that new owner then invested massively in the club and David Gold was still there, but we were buying players. Um, there are some people that don't like him, but I think the majority of West Ham fans would say the main issues are Sullivan and Brady. Yeah, I think they would. I think... Um... I think the majority of fans would want a clean slate completely and would want all three of them gone, mm. to be honest, and yeah, start afresh. Yeah, probably, yeah. But that said, you know, we've said it before and I'll say it again. David Gold, you know, we've quite openly said, doesn't have much, if any, control over what happens at West Ham. That could be a contributing factor to the reported rift that is going on between the three of them. Yeah. Um, maybe he's just as fed up as we are. Maybe he is. Now, don't forget, you know, I think a lot of the targeted hate towards David Gold is by association. He's always been at the forefront, speaking to media, signing autographs, doing interviews. He is very much at the forefront visually to the board of directors. He's got a better relationship with the players and manager as well, out of all three yes, of them. Yes, yeah. He, prior, certainly in Allardyce's era, um, and maybe in Billich's as well, he... He used to go to the training ground regularly. David Sullivan's been to the training ground very, very few times. And he openly states that. Whereas David Gold used to, I don't know if he is anymore, but he used to be there regularly meeting the players. That's right, yeah. Yeah, because he loves it. Mm. You know, that, that is true. Whether you, you love the man or you despise the man, he does love West Ham United. You can't take that away from him. You've only got to sit down with him. And hear him talk about days of yesteryear and his own experience. And when he talks about his love and support for West Ham, he says it honestly. It's no smoke and mirrors. He genuinely is passionate about the football club. Now, I think, and this is only my opinion because I don't know the answer, I'm assuming this, that he probably holds quite a lot of resentment to the way this has panned out. Because he might even be thinking a lot of the decisions that David Sullivan has made to get us to this point I would have done completely differently. But I can't because I'm a minority shareholder and David Sullivan has basically taken control of the entire football club and dragged me down with him. Well, it's yeah, even in terms of manager choices, you'll remember from the podcast at the time when we first had David Moyes, it was David Sullivan um, that wanted to get Pellegrini in and replace him. And it was David Moyes, sorry, David gold to me david's in this um david um walker um uh, there was uh he wanted to get uh david david gold wants to keep david moyes as the manager so let's just go with their surnames so um but sullivan overruled him was like no we're gonna get Pellegrini in and yeah. then we've gone back to moyes um and Gold's pleased. But if you remember, he said that to us off air. He said to us, because that was when we had David Moyes the first time, he mm. said to us he wanted to keep him. Mm. So he was overruled on that. But ultimately, I know you wouldn't agree, but by the fact he came back as manager, ultimately David Gold got proven right in the end because David Moyes ended up being the one we went running back to. Yeah. So he must feel massively frustrated that he wasn't listened to because technically, if he'd been listened to the first time, David Moyes would have stayed as the manager. We wouldn't have had Pellegrini. We wouldn't have made all these massive financial mistakes that David Sullivan's alluded to. And we would have maybe backed Moyes. And who knows what Moyes would have done with 100 million. You can't prove either way whether it had been a success or not. But mm. David Gold must be very frustrated at that. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, in an ideal world, I think this club is 
is suffocating really and is so desperate for a completely fresh start with new eyes on absolutely everything. So for that reason, I think it would be the right thing to do to uh, for, for the three of them to move on. However, if Sullivan moved on and Brady moved on, but David Gold stayed with reduced shares, I've got to be brutally honest, part of me would would feel quite happy about that. Yeah. I know that's quite a big statement to make, but I don't know. I, I can't help but like David Gold. I mean, the stuff that I see on Twitter directed at him is disgusting, really, given his age and given everything that I've just said in terms of, a, I suppose, a personality testament. On the brief occasion that I've met him, I just don't think it's it's fair. I think we're, we're directing our frustrations and anger and hatred towards... Probably the wrong person. At underscore Sam Butler, do you think the board wanted the media to find out about a potential takeover to take the heat off of them a little bit? I mean, there is that argument, but as I said to you, when I emailed the board and I read it out on the show last week, the board replied that the takeover bids are nonsense. Mm. So if they wanted to do that, they would have told me, yes, there's interest. And then I would have said it on a, the most popular, without being to be arrogant, West Ham podcast. Um, so, but they told me not to. Um, well, they didn't tell me not to. They told me it was nonsense. I just think, unfortunately, I just think West Ham fans got played. And I'll tell you why they got played. Because everyone knows that that's what West Ham fans want to happen, a takeover bid. So... If you put a, a, a story out on YouTube or in the papers loosely around facts, because like I said, there was email exchanges, but you put out talk about it. You know, if it was as close as it was now, it wouldn't have died a death in the media like it has now. Mm. But you put that out and boom, you're getting so many hits to your website because it's loosely around facts. You, they can just say, oh yeah, they lost interest, but they played on West Ham fans' emotions and they knew that that's what West Ham fans wanted and they didn't care that it was probably not true because they were getting massive attention for it. Look at this secret agent fella. No one had fucking heard of him. Next minute I know, he's the he's the sole man that knows everything there is to know about a multi, multi, multi-million takeover of a Premier League football club that incidentally was only reported by two journalists. Mm. Yeah, yeah. From the Sun, being yeah. one of them. Yeah, makes sense. At... Terry Burse, I think it is. Sorry if I've got that wrong. In a head-to-head, who would win at FIFA, you or Dave? I mean, this ain't even a question, mate, is it? Let's be honest. Well, I remember when we played Man City versus Liverpool. and um, So do I. I remember I it very clearly, actually. And I won. Yeah, right. So let me tell that fucking little story. <laughs> so this was the night before Leicester away. Was it that game? Yeah, it I was. love the fact you can remember yeah, it what was. game it was. I don't remember a lot thereafter, <laughs> and I'll explain why in a minute. But I turned up to yours with just a little drop of rum, if you remember. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we sat down, because I was staying at yours, to then go to Leicester the next day. Played FIFA. I think we did do Man City, Liverpool. Battered you once. Battered you again. Battered you again. Battered you again. Fucking boring now. Battered you again. But as I'm battering you game after game after game... I was also drinking rum after rum after rum. So it did get to a point where I was a little bit pissed, if Poor I'm honest. professionalism. You are managing, and then it was the you are managing a club. bloody game where I'm literally like, I can't even talk because I'd overdone it. And I think you've managed to squeeze three goals past me. And sure as shit, 
you tweeted a picture of you beating me 3 0, I think it was. <laughs> I think I actually put and all... gave everyone the impression you were some sort of FIFA Don. <laughs> when actually, you just beaten like a, a, a vegetable who was curled up on the sofa, not really even knowing my own name. I actually put on all the goals on Twitter as well. Have you left that part Right, out okay, well yeah. No, but, I mean, that's just unbelievable. But, but what uh, I think I should point out here is firstly, what sort of manager gets battered when they're in charge of a Premier League team? That's your professional. Well, the mistake I made hurt. is I thought I could continue battering you despite being really, really pissed. And I, I take that, that's my mistake. That's on me. But if the question is geared around if Dave was sober, then it's a no-brainer. Okay, look, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you have that one. If it was on Volta Football, whatever it's called, yeah, the five keep or so me one. About that. Yeah, I would. I've got a question myself actually from um, at XWHU employee. <laughs> Why has Dave not mentioned the prediction game this show yet? <laughs> time, <laughs> he time. He time. <laughs> yeah, we, he we me- don't really have the time this week. He mate, mentions to be it every single show, <laughs> <laughs> but this week there's no mention. <laughs> Do you know what's he really funny? Even, and hold on, he hasn't even asked. <laughs> me for a prediction for the Wolves game either which he always does why has yeah, he not I just done thought that mix it up a little bit mm-hmm. you know we talk about predictions every week mm-hmm. and you know so much content this week it's a bit squeezed for time <laughs> I don't actually think we should talk about predictions and the predictions league mate because uh, yeah I just I think we're, we're really up against the clock at the moment <laughs> anyway moving on right uh, so no you have to allow me my moment now so so having taken what has been a season and a few games oh, of shit I was dreading on this prediction this. I was just I deliberately didn't mention it until now because <laughs> I wanted to see if you were going to try and not mention it all show I can so, ask you what your prediction is going to be for the Wolves game now you can you yeah, exactly. I was going to just swerve it all together but so. I'm fucked now so anyway you, like, regular listeners to the podcast will know that this has been the ongoing banter and yes Dave did beat me but I put it out yeah I put it out there that the football was unpredictable still is though no fucked no, because this is the difference. Now, right. it's been going on go. for a few months, right? Oh. So now it's starting to become predictable. So, right, so the unpredictable is now predictable, yes. even though the pandemic that caused the unpredictability is now predictable, in your eyes. What it is, is that you can predict, now that the pandemic has been around, everyone's now adjusting to what is a new way of life. So everything is becoming more predictable, as it should right. be. Okay. So therefore, That makes no sense. So but go on, have, have your minute in the spotlight. So go therefore, on. predictions have started to become more what like they should be like representative of what is going on in the football world so what I would what I would like to um, just point out right now I'm just going to have to go to the (laughs) screenshots because the difference is actually so significant I can't actually remember the numbers so (laughs) I bet you've literally been rehearsing this speech going into the the, um, prediction league so you know um, XWHU employee handsome chap that he is is sitting in 180th place not great but you know 180th place very good for you considering you were 330th last week you've had a bloody good week but then thank you mate and then if you look you have to scroll down (laughs) and a couple of pages to see in the king of this prediction game, I might add, <laughs> resting in joint 265th place, yeah, yeah. Dave Walker. I had a now, tough week. Now, what is also interesting is that Treaders, 
the guy that won it last year yeah. is also struggling down in a lowly 197. Is he really? Now, yeah, but doesn't that tell you something, though? It tells me that... Doesn't it show you that at this stage it doesn't really count for no, much? No, what it shows me is that the randomness of Predators and you is now being counted out with actual <laughs> accurate knowledge and predictions. But anyway, <laughs> right, I haven't finished. So the consistent week after week after week, solid prediction from Treaders and, you know... I suppose, competition winning, from my perspective, over you last week across 38 games doesn't count for nothing in comparison to week two of the new season, where now this is really where you judge the big guns after two games. Is that what you're saying? No, but I've got another question from at XWHU employee. Um, I'm going to block you. You're going to just not put this in, aren't you? But it it says... How are you doing in the fantasy football? Now, actually, actually... Oh, I don't even no, fuck... Don't no, no, even no, get no, me no, started. Dave, Dave I don't is, even fucking play uh, that Mr. load Walker, of shit. Listen. I haven't even touched it. Listen. Yeah. You actually beat me this week. I got 47 Did points I? and you got 63 points. Really? Yeah. So in our head-to-head league, we are joint. Three points each because I beat you last week. I think week. I'll, I'll you cut the bit out, Russell. I don't even play it. Right. And then and we'll then, just carry on from and what you just our, said there. When I crossed, so I'm beating you at your own game no, 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 without on. even playing oh, Don't it. jump ahead, mate. That's incredible. When I crossed the ball, Frank League, right, which is the real league, you did right. beat me this week, but the overall total is I have 114 points and you have 98. So you've closed the gap. Nice. Well played. Very close, you've mate. The, but I'm still ahead. Considering you've been playing this for so 20 actually, years and you're playing a man that hates the game, doesn't play the game, doesn't want to play the game, that's very close no, in terms of points. Well, it's only week, I wouldn't have mentioned that if I was so, you, It's mate. only week two, isn't it? You know, so. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, what, but what I would state is that therefore means... I'm ahead of both. Both fantasy football and prediction league. Yeah, but well, fantasy football, I don't really count anymore. So, In fact, I'm tempted to delete the app and withdraw my application what, what, for that. Look at the sports. I'm sure if I'm honest. Man. If he was yeah, really but you're now, just setting me up for failure, aren't you? No, I don't even know how to play it and I'm just a rules. sitting duck every week for you to have a pop at me about a game I don't even want to be a part of. Read Whereas a prediction rules. one, I'll hold my hands up. You've had a good week. I don't know how Thank you've had you. a good week. I mean, you must have called some results that no one else did. I mean, what did you call? Palace win at Old Trafford or something? Um, no, because that's just random. What I did get right is that Aston Villa beat Sheffield United 1-0. And you know what was a crucial defining moment in oh, this Oh, yeah. Week? Tell them about the text exchange with Tottenham as well. Yeah, that was interesting. Oh, you jammy bastard. But- <laughs> that's the other thing. I reckon I'd have been right up there with you if Tottenham's goal would have stood and against you know, Southampton. I don't think you realise what happened in the Man City game as well, do you? No. So you had 2-1 as your prediction and Man City scored in the 95th minute to make it 3-1, which actually took away a spot-on prediction Christ. as well. And so, yeah, what happened with first... So you have to predict... For those that don't play, you have to predict the first team out of the league that's going to score the first goal of that game week if that makes sense so I went with Leeds and they scored in the fifth minute so I was like yeah good well done good shout that and you know you get more points depending on the team not being as good so obviously if you picked Man United uh, sorry you picked Liverpool at home you're going to get 20 points because you'd spend is a strong chance you pick some like Leeds at home you get 36 points you put like West Ham away you get even more points anyway in a nutshell 
I I went with that and I was quite buzzing and then and then um, you asked me who my selection was probably so you could gloat just so you could say well I had leads it wasn't gloat it was just to see what would happen and then Tottenham popped up on my phone because Dave had Tottenham you know he says he hates them but he picks them (laughs) it was just a hunch (laughs) and it popped up Tottenham Harry Kane scored after three minutes so I was like (laughs) you fucking bastard so I text him raging and then I and then I went out with my family and then I looked at the phone and it was like Tottenham hadn't scored a goal and I was like what the fuck I'm sure it came up Harry Kane third minute but he got disallowed for VAR but to make things jammy jammy bastard listen mate though listen Brighton then scored in the fourth minute and took away my leads oh is that right yeah so that's fucking unlucky but essentially, the, the, the real bad luck in game week two lies with me, really, didn't it? I mean, there's a strong argument to say when you look at the Man City late goal, the disallowed goal for Harry Kane, really and truly, if I just had a little bit of the rubber to green, I'd still be ahead of you. Is yeah, it fair to say? Yeah, but you're not. So. Yeah, no, I know. Moving on Hopefully to next I get week. a little bit of luck next week. Moving and, on to uh, next week. To reigning champion, <laughs> not just at games, <laughs> but, but, of, but of, yeah, I'm the reigning champion at the you moment. You lost last week. No, but I'm winning this week, reigning champion. And, and, it's, the, <laughs> and it's, the, it's the same with squash. I won the last oh, squash game, do so not I am the reigning right. champion. I'm, do you know, I'm so I am pleased champion you mentioned squash. that. Let me, tell you a little, let me tell you a little something. Oh my god! Right, I can't believe you've mentioned this. Actually, as right as the wallpaper. No, the finger point is coming back out now as well. In a minute, I'm going to throw this bloody water bottle at you. (laughs) Right. I had never played squash in my life, right? Oh, we both like, like Premier League. He didn't read the rules. Yeah, well, well you know, fair enough. It, but I yeah. enjoy, you Poor know, I thought Dave. I'd enjoy a little bit of uh, squash. So I said, no, we'll do that. We both want to have a crack at losing a bit of timber, didn't we? Getting a little bit fit. So we thought, well, after the podcast, we're already in Brentwood. So why don't we just, you know, pick up a racket and play a bit of squash? Now, naturally, X being X. Uh, showed me absolutely no mercy on my first ever game of squash and battered me from memory. About first two or three games. I, I think, think it was. Yeah. Um, but do you know what? Fourth, uh, first game beat me. Second game beat me. Third game. I think. Do you know what? Yeah, I lost again, which is a bit shit. But I'm sure I'm getting a little bit better at this game. Fourth game beat me. Fifth game I beat him. Sixth game I think he beat me. Seventh game I won. Eighth game I won. Nine game I won. Ten game I won. Eleven game I won. Then. X suffered a mysterious leg injury. No, because I won the last one, then did that. <laughs> so, so I won the 12th game and then but, did but that. But it doesn't, doesn't steer away from this mysterious leg injury that, funny enough, kept him out of squash for about a year After and I we haven't played game. since. So reigning champion. And, uh, and I've never heard you mention this horrific injury ever since, actually. So I'll keep me to ask you for a, an update on the knee. I hope it's all right it's, now. It's been horrendous. But funnily enough, we've not played since. When I think... When you look at it, I'd actually won more games than you had. No, 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 no that's no, not true. See, no, so no, this is lying. That is true, Everything mate. I'm no. saying is based on no. facts. Well, this is... you faked an injury, so okay, listeners I, no, believe who you want to believe. I admit I faked. Well, you well, actually no, have just no, admitted you no, faked no, no, the injury. No, let me rephrase that. I was, this is being no, recorded, no, no, mate. No, no, at the time I was injured, but it wasn't. It didn't need to last a year. I, I the was words were for... okay. I faked an injury, no, there, mate. I can play it back. No, no, no. I, the duration of the injury didn't need to be as long as it was. However, I was injured yourself in the foot <laughs> no a lot of luck mate no 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 so I think overall on game balance we run probably the same but and I'll give you that fair play because I had played it more than you you know I've represented my school at it so well, you did learn <laughs> you did learn very very quickly um, however it was overall you know probably six each or whatever but I mm. won I won the last game therefore I am the reigning yeah, champion see I, I'm not sure about that 
but surely you should be expelled from ever playing squash again with your friends for the rest of your life because you faked an injury to get out of playing again with said friend. I, I didn't fake originally, but we oh, could have that's played That's on record quicker. now, mate. No, that's recorded. Mate, COVID came, so we weren't allowed <laughs> yeah. to play. So like, I can't. You're now blaming me for a pandemic. I faked that, did I? You know, well, so, this was about two years after your injury, to no, be fair. Well, no, I'll play you again, mate. I'll play you again. <laughs> yeah, Bring I'll believe on. that when I see Bring it. Bring it on. Let's go. Uh, right, this one's from At Cautious Paul. Where do you feel the club will be in three seasons' time? Oh, God knows. Um, either taken over by, hopefully, some new owners. Of that, What would that be? 2023 it will be. So, potentially, yeah. it could be the year of, of the takeover. Um, so, hopefully. Or fucking in the championship. <laughs> just shitting around with crappy players. Yeah. It literally, who knows, with West Ham, it could go any, any direction, really. It, it could. But, I'm going to actually put my neck out and say... I think there'll be happier times in three seasons' time. Yeah, we can't. I get really much think we'll be under new ownership it? there. I mean, the thing is, their position has been untenable now for quite a long time. This yeah. isn't a recent thing, yeah. but for the first time recently, I think I've seen it affect them. Yeah. The way yeah. David Gold's disappeared off of social media, puts the odd tweet up to wish a player a happy birthday or something like that. Yeah. David Sullivan seems very tired with his interview today. And he doesn't sound like he's getting any enjoyment from he it anymore. He sounded depressed, mate. Really, he did. Really well, by his own admission, every day, yeah. he feels depressed. Yeah. So I think, and I've actually said this last week, I think this could be the beginning of the end for them. Yeah. So if you're talking three seasons and ever the optimist, uh, falsely probably, I think we'll be under new ownership by then. Yeah, and I, hopefully a much brighter future. I, yeah, I don't think things can get much worse, to be honest, other than us being relegated, I guess. Um, mm. But even then, at least you might win a few games in the championship. Um, yeah, yeah I, I, I do I do think it's it can't really get much more toxic than it is now. The West Ham fans are just so, so negative. Like, And I, I'm not saying that's their fault. I, I understand mm. it, I do. But sometimes... Like people seem to go mad if I don't tweet every single day. Like what's happened to me? But I get it all the time. But sometimes I just need a break from it. I just, mm. you know, I have a stressful job, stressful home life, and and so on. So I so don't sometimes want to go on Twitter and to read even more negativity. Sometimes it's not good for your mental health. So I deliberately don't at times because I don't think it's ever been this bad that mm. I can remember and you know I, I had a season ticket in the bondholder protest yeah. ages I've had season tickets when we have been relegated but it never felt this angry and this toxic yeah. Yeah. so I think things can only get better yeah yeah uh, this is from at scottyfit76 I might have missed you answering this previously but where is Stuart Pearce? Why has he not been seen on match days? Now, I put this in because you've had this question quite a few times, haven't you, for yeah, some I reason? Yeah, I have. I actually did tweet an answer to that question. But to clarify on the podcast, he, is there. he was there yesterday. If you watched the game, you would have seen him. Um, I'm not saying the guy didn't watch the game. Maybe he didn't notice him. But he was there at the end of the game. Um, as the players were walking off the pitch, you can clearly see him walking off with a ball or something in his hand um so he is there but i don't know why people think that he is there yeah so just to clarify mm. all is well and good with Stuart Pierce. yeah this is from at alex p 66 underscore would you rather another season of no trophies and 16th in the prem 
or an FA Cup and he's put and Carabao Cup but we get relegated from the championship cheers love the show I don't know. You know, I always find this question quite hard. If it's the double, then I'd take that and get ready. Yeah, again. you'd have to take the double. Oh, if it was the double, yeah, I would. But if it was just the FA Cup and get relegated, the, the the clause to me would be: How long do we stay down for? Yeah, you know. Well, if there was no, let's say there was no guarantee of immediately coming back up, then you don't know. You might do. You might smash a championship, or you might not come back for ten years. It's really, really tricky because I would love to see us win the FA Cup. I've never seen... I'd love to see us win anything. I've never seen us win a single trophy, even a fucking cup that we make ourselves, the Betway Cup, <laughs> we, and where we pick our own opposition we, and we play at home every time in a one-off game. Yeah. We lose that much. We should just years. play the under-23s in the Betway Final <laughs> Cup, shouldn't so, we? Yeah. Give ourselves half a chance. That's right. Um I um, would love to see us win something. Obviously, I'd rather see us win something in a few years' time. I can actually bloody be there rather than just watching it on telly. Um, but I um, I just don't know. Sometimes if you go down to the championship and you maybe championship football's better in some ways and it's more fun, but realistically, you want your club to be in the Premier League now, unfortunately, because it will just affects you so badly financially if you're not well we're worrying about fucking 50 grand now when we're in the print exactly so we can't afford not to be it's a really tough question my heart says win the FA Cup and go down my brain says Mm. stay up yeah I'd probably agree with that actually Uh, this is from at 9 minute mile is it time for clubs to launch their own TV channel and therefore broadcast rights, as often talked about by Simon Jordan? Subscription levels would be interesting. West Ham have quite a following. Could be uh, a good club-specific income generator. Yeah, it could be. I think it's I think, a no-brainer from my. Yeah, point. we spoke about this many podcasts we have, ago. We have, and I, I don't know why they don't do it. No, I think they should. Really, I guess. Um, well, you'd have no need for Sky then, would you? So that would that's the problem. Like Sky and BT Sports, they have their share, their multi-billion pound companies. Why would they give up that right to Premier League teams? Because well, would... Yeah, but it's not about giving up, is it? It's about who bids for which games you're going to have throughout the, yeah, so the, how the does, forthcoming season. How does West Ham compete with Sky then? It can't. Well, it, it depends on if you get a, a big boy investor. Involved. Let's say you've got a billionaire who loves the concept of a Netflix for West Ham. You've got to look. Only, what, 50,000, 55,000 West Ham fans can see every single game week in, week out. But there are millions of West Ham fans in the world. You charge each one of those people 20 quid a month to watch every single West Ham game. That's a no-brainer for me. I think it's a no-brainer from the fans' perspective. I just don't think the club would ever be able to implement it at this day and age. Probably because, like I said, Sky, BT, they all have their their control of the games. Now, as a West Ham fan, I don't really watch many other games. I would, you know, if I'm home on a Sunday and it's a decent game on Sky, for example, I will probably watch it. But I wouldn't go out of my way to watch it. So the only thing I would do is buy West Ham games. So Sky would have no existence because I'd imagine most um, most fans would do that. You know, yes, you might want to watch Manchester United v Man City or Liverpool versus Man City or whatever as a neutral. But realistically, you're not going to... Um, 
you're going to pay to watch your club, aren't you? So mm. it would really weaken Sky and BT Sports, which are so, who are so powerful. I don't, I don't think that that you could. And anyway, at the moment, you can kind of do that anyway. Like, okay, the streams aren't great, mm. Mm. but on the what you and I have, um, mm. and thanks to the provider rep, but. You know, we both watch on mm. Bosch TV, and we I can I watch the Carabao Cup game. Yeah, certainly the Charlton one perfectly. Yesterday, the whole one it buffered, and then the sound didn't catch up. But I could watch the quality of the game the whole yeah. way through. I just had to turn the volume off, and I could watch every. I've I don't think I've missed a West Ham game in terms of either physically being there or watching on a a stream for about three or four years, and I haven't. Be careful what I say here because of the legalities of it all, but I certainly haven't had to pay 20 quid a month to do that. Yeah, and it's a fair shout, but it, I suppose it depends on the way you look at it. I mean, to start with, maybe you could take the games that Sky and BT aren't covering because don't forget, they don't cover every single West Ham game throughout the season. They don't broadcast 38 games, do they? They'll have no. a chunk each and they'll bid for those respective games they want and then fill the rest of the calendar up with games from other teams, but... I don't know. I just think, you know, if you were clever with it and you gave, as part of that streaming service for West Ham games, um, dressing room coverage, behind the scenes, as long as it doesn't impact the players too much, but maybe pre-match interviews, post-match interviews that are exclusive to that channel and then reliable uh, internet coverage that is also legal for those that it might bother. Um, 20 quid a month. Uh, Okay, yeah, you're going to get quite a lot of people that won't do it. But when you think of the millions and millions of West Ham fans around the world who'd never even heard of Bosch TV, um, maybe ECLs will go through the roof now. (laughs) But, you know, they'd probably be crying out for something like this. Yeah, definitely. Like I said to you... I think it must have legs. Yes, it needs a microscope on it to see, look, what's the loopholes, what can and can't be done. Obviously, it's only a concept at this stage. But I I think if, if... if that can somehow be worked out, I think it's uh, I think it's a good idea. Oh yeah, I do. I'd love it as a West Ham fan. I would love it. You know, I would pay that twenty pound a month, and I would watch the West Ham games. It'd be great if it was something like Man United TV, where it wasn't just twenty pound to watch the West Ham games, but you also yeah. had content yeah. in and around. And that. what about um, exclusive viewings of the academy games as well? Yeah, that would be great. You, know, you get you know, full lock stock match action across West Ham ladies academy first team yeah you know post match interviews exclusive to that channel yeah it would be that's brilliant. not worth 20 quid a month oh no I'm not I, I don't doubt that mate the 20 quid a month's a bargain mate it's the it's the fact that you the rights of it all I just don't yeah. see how you would eliminate sky from this and what why sky would ever approve of that happening Sky, is, Sky, basically, you know, as we know with the way fixtures go and BT Sports and stuff, they basically control the football league in in some mm. respects. I don't see what it would benefit them to to agree to that. I mean, and also at the moment with the way the the pandemic is now, I I don't know what um what games have um for the other teams because as I said, I haven't watched them all. But I'm looking at the fixtures here, and um, you know it's Sky Sky. I've watched every West Ham game so far. I mean, it's only, I know it's only been two games, but every West Ham game, actually four if you include the cup, I've watched. 
mm. you know and that's through because two have been on sky or bt whichever one it was now and two have been through the caribou website so technically i'm getting that anyway mm. So, yeah. Yeah, it's true. But, I mean, like I say, I, I don't know the, the intricate details of it, but, you know, Sky dominated um, the, the broadcasting of football games before BT came into action. BT then wanted a piece of the pie, and they outbid Sky on certain games, so they got into it. It worked for them. You know, FA Cup games, BBC nicked some of them. Nick a lot of them, actually, including the FA Cup final. So, I think it can be done... But the intricacies financially as to how, like you say, would be challenging. But conceptually, I'm surprised it hasn't been done already, to be quite honest. Uh, this is from at Talking West Ham. Now that Moyes is out with COVID, do you expect this to have an impact on the player's performance? And I'll put a little add-on to that. If so, positive or negative? Or not at all? Um... I don't know, it's hard to judge really because you don't know exactly how much influence David Moyes will have because if still he's picking the he's picking the team, he's doing the tactics, you can do it all over Skype or Zoom or whatever, he can be connected up, he can pick the team, he can design the tactics. Um, he can still have a presence is what you're saying without being there. He can still have a presence without actually physically being yeah. there. Um, so yes, he might not be able to do the in-game management so well, um, but certainly right up to that the kickoff he can do a lot so it would be hard to say how much is he doing or not doing so it's therefore hard to judge i i think if you go on the whole game probably won five one without him so maybe it's a positive but um i still think he'll be heavily involved either way mm. right last question this is from at hill zero four one great podcast i love the show listen every week uh, thank you, mate. We always play well against the top six. Do you think this is because players see it as a shop window for the other club or a bit like a job interview? If so, how do we stop this and get them to play like that every week? And before I answer, can I just do a shout out to Adam Reed so I don't forget and then we'll move on to that last one. Yeah, question. of course. The yeah. last one. Nice one, Adam. Um, it's his uh, a, a birthday, a son's birthday, sorry, um, who's called Preston. He's 12 years old. Um, a massive, long-suffering West Ham fan like himself. Adam's been very kind to the podcast in um, uh, recent weeks. So, yeah, a big shout-out to Preston. Um, happy birthday, mate. To, to answer, he, I wonder if his other um, children are called Fulham and Arsenal after our uh, cup <laughs> victories. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, I um, I think... Uh, <laughs> I think maybe our players are better suited to playing against top clubs because they are playing against... Because they are maybe players that technically are, are skillful and good players but maybe don't have the right mentality or mental toughness to continue it that level of performance consistently through a season. Um, whereas a, a game against, you know... Chelsea away where they're going to try and attack a new skill um, isn't necessarily as intimidating for those players as a uh, I don't know a Watford away say Mm. Um, like maybe that's the reason I don't know but to be fair 
Have we been that great against the top six sides recently? We played well against Arsenal, but we still lost. Mm. You know, we've lost to Liverpool. Um, we drew away last year, but we lost it at home, didn't we? Got battered by Man City. 5-0 or mm. on the first game. But then to be fair, I think the tweets always play well, not necessarily okay. beat. Okay. Um, um, and we do, really. I mean, not fact- every single time, but more often than not, it's always <laughs> worth a punt that the underdogs West Ham are going to get a result against a Chelsea or a Liverpool. Maybe United. the fans does are happen. more up for it. Maybe, you know, Maybe. I think for me, if I'm going to a game, you know, as much as I love West Ham, and I'd watch them against anyone when I can, I'd rather see West Ham v Manchester City, West Ham v Liverpool and West Ham win than I would West Ham win against um, Burnley, for example. So maybe the fans are more up for it. But then we beat Chelsea last season. There weren't no fans there. Yeah, true, true. It's difficult. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, definitely a bit of complacency comes into play when you play some of these lower league clubs. Yes, that's probably a factor. Um, I, I don't know how much they can be asked whether they think it's just another fixture where in their minds they might think coming against United or Liverpool or Chelsea, it's an opportunity to challenge themselves. So maybe subconsciously they want to up their game and see how they do against the best players in the division. Um, a lot of it's televised as well. And I know how vain some of these players are, so do they want to look spectacular in front of their friends and family? I think that plays a part in it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I think you're quite right. Um, you know, whilst I gave the example of Chelsea last season, fans definitely make a difference, especially when you're talking like playing Tottenham, for example. Yeah. It's never the same. No. Um, but it, yeah, it is frustrating because it, there's truth in that. I think, you know, it's it's so typical of West Ham to go and lose to a West Brom and then the following week beat a Liverpool. It's the West Ham way. It is. It's like kind of in our DNA, and it's like I guess in some ways the beauty of supporting West Ham that nothing is ever predictable. Really, it is yeah. like that's why I find it so hard to actually predict anything to do with West Ham. I'd be really interested to know. Actually, going back to the the prediction game, and I'm not going to banter. This is a genuine point now to see how well if we like both you and I have done just on the the West Ham scores I'd really be yeah, interested to see yeah. that because I'd imagine our probably our prediction rate of West Ham scores is terrible yeah. both of us yeah. and I would imagine that's the same with yeah, everyone true. playing that game because it is just so hard to predict yeah. West Ham scores because you just you just don't know like and um you know I predicted West Ham to win against Newcastle that's a game you think they would have if you were to say which yeah. game are West Ham going to do better in the Newcastle one or the Arsenal one you would have said the Newcastle one mm. but actually we did better in the Arsenal one mm. um, and you know you say West Ham are always get knocked out against lower league teams and the cup always play rubbish we've played brilliantly the last two rounds mm. against Hull and Charleston so mm. you know it is just so so unpredictable so on that note prediction against Wolves <laughs> li- and I uh, to back up what I say I could literally <laughs> see that game going yeah. either way yeah. I yeah. literally nothing jumps out at me no. like, I think yeah we could win that we could win 2-1 maybe 2-0 and I think oh no it'll be one one all nil nil and I thought actually no Wolves will win 2-0 mm. I literally yeah. think in my head is a possible outcome um, but if you're going to nail me down to something I'm going to try and be positive you know because I feel there's a lot of negativity at the moment so I'm going to try and be positive probably stupidly positive but oh, so I can't get away from a draw at the moment in my head mm. um but then I want to say a West Ham win. Gosh, right, let me think of this. One all. 
Yeah, I'm going for two all. Okay. And I actually predicted that in the predictions as well. Yeah, because I can yet. see goals. I can see goals. But oh, God, I... we didn't have to do it today, do we? There's no game. Huh? There's no game. No, no, for... you can take your time, but I've just done it in advance. Oh, in case say, I forget. That'd be horrendous. <laughs> and that's after all that banter, I've actually forgot to predict this week. Yeah, I could have wound you up on that it's as well, couldn't Cup, I? Missed an opportunity more... there. Exactly. No, um, right. Yeah, no, I think I think there'll be goals. Um but it's a tough game. And you're quite right. I can see every single scenario. Like you're saying, there isn't a scoreline that would surprise me no, exactly. on Sunday. But again, you look at our fixtures and next to Newcastle, this is the one game that you would highlight as a potential to get points. Yeah. I think, you know, coming up, we've got, you know, Spurs, Man City, Liverpool. Wolves is not an easy game. No, it's not. But, but we're at home and it's probably the easiest until yeah, Fulham. Well, that's right. And, um, they, although they were playing Man City, so I know yeah. you know it's no nothing bad to lose to Man City. They have lost their last game, so yeah. If you're trying to scratch around for positives, then maybe maybe we might turn it on. It will be the last. We'll be coming towards you know what a week of the transfer deadline left, window left. Um, maybe certain players might. Might use that as a, I don't know, a chance to showcase themselves and uh, maybe they might perform. Who knows? Uh, it's exhausting being a West Ham fan, it isn't is, it? Yeah. But we fucking love it, don't we? Let's yeah, be honest. Well, most of the time. <laughs> a, a certain, sometimes I do look at my life and I do think to myself, <laughs> if I didn't, well, even if I didn't like football, how different my life would be. And it would mm. be like literally ridiculously different yeah. because, you know, most of my friends I've met through football, yeah. most of my free time is spent either doing this podcast, watching football, playing football manager, beating you at FIFA. <laughs> um, like, you know, like, like literally everything. My conversations with people is about football. Yeah. Like... I just can't imagine what my life yeah. would have been like without yeah. it. Yeah. So, in some ways, I am curious to redo my life again without football. But yes, it, we do deep down. Oh, I love it. It's a it's a drug that we're all addicted to, and we'll mm. never be able to shake off. Unfortunately, yeah, absolutely. Well. Right, okay, that's all we've got time for this week. As always, thanks for listening. Thanks for giving us your questions. Look after yourselves. Be lucky, and until next week, come How on, you irons. Bundling home and car insurance with GEICO is so easy, your neighbors are probably already doing it. But who? They may drop little hints like... Beautiful day out. Even more beautiful since we saved by bundling our home and car insurance with GEICO. Or... Yard work is hard. Much harder than bundling with GEICO, which was easy. Or it may be even subtler, like... Speaking of burgers, we bundled our home and car insurance with GEICO and saved a bunch of money. Bundling is easy with GEICO. Just ask your neighbors. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save over $700 on average, and those savings add up. Imagine what you could buy in the future. So I used the savings from switching to Progressive 30 years ago to buy tickets to the championship game. You know, between those two teams that didn't exist 30 years ago? Yeah, I'm a big Alaska Palm Trees fan. Which is a team now, in the future? So switch to Progressive and save big, because those savings can add up in the future. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National annual average insurance savings by new customer surveyed who saved with Progressive in 2020. Potential savings will vary. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.